Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. What's cracking? This is Jimbo's foot. This is Criminals to always stay with Ricardo giving a shout out. Yo, what's cracking? It's me, Alvino. This is Veronica. It's my Nico from Atlanta. Yeah. Calling in from the San Fernando Valley. Calling from Denver, Colorado. 2023. Mr. Criminal on air live. It's been a historical first month. Yeah, Mr. Criminal on air live, the most realest and most active podcast on the West Coast, representing for the culture and putting it down the right way. And like I said, it's been a legendary last few uh, weeks. We've been making much, much, much noise within the community, settling beefs, creating conversations, opening up dialogue with people that haven't been working with each other in years. And I'm proud and I'm standing on it. Critical. What up, my boy? It's another week, my boy. We, yes, we've been sir. killing it. 15 million impressions in 30 days. Oh, man. 3.5 million views. That's I, I don't remember how many downloads on the Spotify and the Apple, but man, I want to give an applause to all my people out there for supporting heavily this crime family movement. This Mr. Criminal Live on Air is real. It's organic. It's been love. It's been, it's been embraced and... I want to thank each and every single person out there all over the world making this a reality. We got people tapped in all over from Philippines, uh, uh, South Africa, uh, South America, Mexico, all over the 50 states. Uh, it's incredible, Critical. Yes, sir. It's been amazing. And uh, we've been tapping in with some legends. I was just on the phone with somebody that's sold millions and millions and millions of records. Yeah. And he's going to be here next week. Oh. And it's going to be amazing. Then I talked to somebody just yesterday that has won a couple championships in boxing. What? And he's going to be here the week after that. That's right. But this week. What we got? We got something legendary. Legendary. I'm talking legendary in all capitals. And I'm going to keep it 1,000. When it comes to the West Coast and, and the history, we got to keep it real. Because like I said, we had Julio G in here the other day, Critical. Yes, sir. And we we're talking about how the East Coast has their documentaries and everybody gets their flowers. Yeah. But it's time for us to make our own platform to give our flowers to our West Coast forefathers and originators. That's right. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we got the homie, my personal friend and mentor in this business throughout the game, Damian motherfucking Young, also known as the Mizza. What's cracking, my boy? Dude, I cannot tell you how proud of you I am, my boy. Look at you, man, making beats and hearing you on the talk box and seeing you bringing people together, man. You are 
the epitome of what West Coast love is, man. And now seeing you as a DJ, what the hell is going on, Craig? I don't know, homie. We just right here just walking the path that God created, homie. It's been lovely. It's been fun. And, and we just enjoying so, it, homie. And you are rocking it right, my brother. I am so proud of you, man. man. I mean, you're making us look good out here, brother. That's love, homie. You ain't critical. Look at you. Critical's making that fire. No, hey. I'm proud of both of you, man. I appreciate man. that. Man, you remember the I start got a of the big relationship? Old smile on my face for the West tonight, homie. Yeah, that's how we do it. So we're gonna get into the the, the conversation. We're gonna get into the history. We're gonna get into the whole foundation of the way that the whole uh, Demenza was created in a minute. But we're gonna start with a little bit of news, and the news is that it is Mother's Day weekend, and I'm gonna say the news, my news. Yep. Bonnie and Clyde episode number two just dropped. And it's been getting a lot of love. I want to thank everybody all around the world for subscribing. We just hit 330,000 subscribers on the YouTube. Um, shit's been going crazy. The embracement's been nuts. And we just really appreciate everybody that taps in. The organic love is real. And like I said, we just appreciate being able to have this uh, platform and format where we don't need to depend on nobody. We could literally just say, hey, today we're going to go live and we want to touch a couple hundred thousand people. You know what I'm saying? So it's a dope thing to be able to do that. And I just want to thank each and every one of uh, you guys that are subscribing and tapping in. Um, and making this uh, official. And I also want to uh, give a shout out to all our sponsors. That is uh, every week that taps in. And I'm going to go ahead and put them in right here. Crazy Sean Baby's Criminal 2023. We broadcasted live from California Love, the studios. I want to give a shout out to everybody out there supporting, subscribing, liking, tapping the notification button, tapping that subscribe. Keep on subscribing. We're almost to half a million subscribers. We just hit 330. And at the pace we're growing right now, we're going to hit that really soon. So shout out to everybody out there supporting. Shout out to everybody out there tapping in. Showing love. Keeping this organic support going. Much love from your homeboy, Mr. Criminal. Back to the homeboy, Mr. Criminal. And I want to present our sponsors of the week. That's right. The Bonnie and Clyde Show and Mr. Criminal on air live are sponsored by Illegal Image Clothing. That's right. You can check them out at www.illegalimageclothing.com. And then we got my homeboy that's getting everybody ready. For the summertime, getting yoked up, getting all proper and stuff. JB underscore fitness. That's right. JB underscore FTNS on Instagram. You can check him out. Follow him. Get your regimens right. And then we got my brother punching back in L.A. County. His name is Attorney Rosenberg. That's right. Follow him at Attorney Rosenberg on Instagram. And you guys can follow him. He's punching back. Defending Southern California. Then we got my people at L.A. Kush. Los Angeles Kush with some of that good. They came through with some of that Bloodwalkers, some of that uh, OG. Julio G came through with it. I want to give you guys the props and shout outs. Matty Ice Fitness, my personal trainer, his baby girl, Mr. Criminal. We are trained by Matty Ice Fitness. Give him a follow. We're getting our regimens right. We're getting our nutrition in. We're getting our workouts crazier than ever. All because of Maddie Ice. So I want to give a salute to all of our sponsors. Shout out to everybody out there supporting. You know how we do it. Much love for Crime Family Entertainment. Keep on supporting the network. Much love. All right. And we back. And shout out to all our sponsors. That's how we do it. And yo, uh, we back in this critical. You say you ain't had no news, huh? No. You know why? <laughs> I'm gonna tell you working. What, that's why we work too damn much. When, when you leave the studio at three, four in the morning, the news is what we're doing. Hey, the news is how, what time, how much did you? How much sleep did you get last night? Man, my boy? I think like four hours. For I real. think three or four hours is what I've been up. on the last month, two, three years of my life. Shit, it's that's that's, that's the news. That's the news. That's our news. <laughs> hey, but like I said, we back in the building and we got a legend in the building. And I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight something dope. 
So I remember very clearly doing some radio runs, and, and, and I'm going to experience, I'm going to give you guys my introduction to the gentleman that we're speaking to today and the love and the embracement that I received. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people had the stories, different stories about how they were embraced as well. But um, I'm in L.A. We're in fucking uh, Power 106. It is, I don't remember what year, but everybody knows the man that was always the person that was the boss, the fool that carried the torch, even on like the radio as a consumer, as a fan, you just know when you heard the men's or Damian Young that he was somebody important, right? But I had never had a chance to meet meet the homie. And uh, we had just left the radio station. I remember Capone telling me clearly, like, yo, you remember Demiza, Damien Young? I'm like, yeah, I heard the name a gang of times. That's legendary. He's like, he just invited us to pull up to the studio. So we there we go. We jump in the ride. We, we take the little 20-minute drive, whatever. And we pull up to the studio. I remember that like yesterday. You got big smiles, and you embraced us. And uh, as we're getting ready to leave, you push play on a hard-ass track. <laughs> and, and you had the big SSL in the studio, the big board, the big boy shit. I had never been in a studio where I seen the big boy shit like that. It's usually like on Dr. Dre's cover, shit like that. You just see somebody. And I'm like, damn, this dude's doing it like that. I remember you had your assistants and people coming in out the studio, grabbing your shit, bringing drinks, all kinds of dope shit. And you're like, uh, you, you think you could spit some shit to this? And I remember I was like, hell yeah, I could. And I remember Capone was like, hey, we got to go, dog. Let's get out of here. Yeah, like, you know, that's what I was about he to didn't say. Want I was the like, shit. dog, I remember it a little different. That's why you were laughing. I played the beat, and you, your head popped up, and Cap was like, he was like, yo, uh, we got to go. And you're like, uh, hold up, hold up, hold up. And I'm like, you want to, like, and you were just like, boom, Let's on go. it. Yep, yep, and we busted some <laughs> shit. And it, it, it was so impressive because... You wrote so fast and did the verse. I mean, I don't think he had the chance to get that sentence out before you were done. Nah, and I was already in the booth before he had said he had to go. And, and we killed that shit. No, it was already, I mean, it was all love, man. And, you know, and not just that, but it was a, a little band's record. And he was showing love there, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? You were, you were showing love to the young homies. So I was like, damn, dog. Yeah, we killed Good that. Looking out. Yeah, and you always had that impressive team of producers and the whole the whole everything that you had together was very impressive. And I remember leaving the studio and thinking like, damn, I just met somebody legendary in the West Coast and I knew the history and I knew the whole the whole get down. And everybody's gonna start learning tonight after this, especially uh hearing it coming from your mouth is, itself. But it's just crazy to have that. Well, moment. I was saying the same thing. I was like, "Damn, I just met Mr. Criminal." <laughs> you know That's I mean? right. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's hard, homie. But yeah, let's let's because let everybody know. The first know. that I ever heard of you was from Nate Dog. Oh shit! You Is know what I mean? Right? Like I had heard some of your records and stuff, but Nate Dog calls me out of the blue one day and goes, "You know, Mr. Criminal," and I was like, uh, "No, I've never met him personally." He's like, "I need his number to do this record with him." Da, 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 da. And Nate never called. No, like. Never call me looking for another artist number like of a of an up and coming and and you were still you know kind of you know up on you know coming up at that time yeah you see you had your platform but you know it was still like you know getting out there yeah and he was like man he's like I gotta do a record with this guy like he's he's the new he's the new that's dope and and I called Kool Aid got your number and shot it but I I maybe you guys already linked but it was like damn I. That's a big stamp, homie. That's huge, homie. <laughs> and, and Nate Dog, rest in peace, helped change rest my in life. Peace, Nate Dog. Because as you know, we were riding and getting a little bit of BDS. And for those that don't know, like yes. back in the days, is a different thing. But like selling records, it, they they were able to count. You explain what BDS is. Come on, you're the radio legend over here. Well, I, <laughs> well, BDS was was basically what media base is now. You know, it, it's how to track your spin. Mm -hmm. So if you had like a 
a big week at media base or you know a big thing at bds and you got all of these spins and that's how they would chart your your records and that's how the billboard chart works is they would see you know how many spins you got add that kind of in with the sales and stuff like that and then you know even it out and that's how you get your chart positions and stuff hell yeah and and for a little homie from the hood that everybody said with a name like Mr. Criminal and being with Brown Skin and not being signed to a major record label, I remember one of the biggest uh, letdowns in a moment of trying to make a radio record in one of my first sessions was, you ain't never going to get played on the radio. Power 106 will never play a dude with a name like Mr. Criminal. Latin rap? What? And and to get BDS. Well, that's before they met me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's a beautiful thing because a lot of people don't know the records, the legendary records that you helped break. Uh one of the biggest ones ever, Summer Nights by Little Rob. People don't know that that would have never even seen the light of radio if it wasn't for the phone call that was made after Fingers played the record for you at your studio. Yeah. Well, well you know, I mean, there were a lot of records, you know, even like, you know, Big Pun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when, when Steve Rifkin came into my office and, you know, he played me uh, Not a Player, but it was on a, it was the video, it was on a VHS tape. And during the meeting, I popped the VHS tape out and said, excuse me for a second. He goes, where are you taking my VHS tape? And I went in the production room and put it on a CD from the VHS tape and then handed him back the VHS. And while we were in the meeting, all of a sudden he hears it on the radio and he's like, wait a minute. Is that are you playing on the VHS or is that? Dude, I don't even have CDs pressed yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I was good for, you know, <laughs> for surprising people. So, you know, someone named Mr. Criminal, that's not shocking to me. Is a record dope? Is it right for the radio station? Hell yeah, let's play that. Man, I thank you, you know for that. Because, I mean? man, you were, the, you were the boss, the go-to, the shit wasn't getting played at that station if you didn't approve it. And, and, and I uh, thank you for thank for you. for letting my music being played through the airways through LA and allowing people to intercept my shit and becoming a soundtrack to this West Coast LA shit. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. Well, we so we had a great team, man. Big boy and and you know everybody there at the time. You know it it was for the cause. It was for hip hop. Yeah. You know a lot has changed these days. Now it's all corporate and stuff like that. So it is harder to get on, and it, it is harder to to make those moves. But I just never paid attention to that stuff. You know, I I, I just said, "Is the record right?" I was talking to someone from the Flavor Unit, which is a street team at Power One Hundred Six tonight, uh, from back in the day. And I was like, "Dog, I mean, you don't realize how important the Flavor Unit was. How important the the streets were. Is you know, I, I'd open up my door and and play a song really loud, probably even your records. You know, turn them up, and and if some Somebody stuck their head in the door from the flavor unit and said, man, this is dope. And that record went on the radio right then. Hard. You know, there's so much red tape these days where it's like, you know, you you someone doesn't have the balls to take something off a VHS tape and go, you know, put it on the radio that minute. I remember Mac 10 came in one day with Backyard Boogie on a cassette and I put that on a CD and said, let's stop by the studio on your way out. <laughs> He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're going to play Backyard Boogie off a cassette? And I said, yeah, right now. That's hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Legendary. and that was the start back then, you know, run with, with Backyard Boogie. You know That's what nice. I mean? Like, he had who banging, you know what I mean? The record was dope. So I'm like, you know, let's keep it cracking. You know what I mean? Let's keep the roll. So this is this is just a, see, to, to the average person in America, they wouldn't understand how... This is the shit that you're saying is like it's just normal, right? <laughs> this is legendary shit you're talking about, right? <laughs> so let's talk about let's get back to humble beginnings because you've always been a humble dude. I don't want to I want to highlight that as well. well thank you, brother. But I want to say let's go back to 
what created the opportunity to even make that a possibility? Because that didn't come overnight. That didn't come just at birth. Like, here, Demenza, you're going to be the West Coast, the person that all the West Coast, <laughs> most hip-hop influential records will get played through Cali. Like, where did that come from? How did it start? What was your fall in love with music? Where did this shit all happen? Well, dude, you know, it, 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 it's Mother's Day. So it starts with Granny. Okay. You know, when I was a year old, my parents, you know, my dad was a biker. My mom was, you know, not doing so well. You know, she was up to no good. So, you know, I got dropped off at Granny's house and they just never came back. And Granny was responsible for raising me, supporting my dad, supporting my aunt who was in college, you know, and stuff like that. So, you know, she was a single mother and and had a responsibility to three kids. She was newly widowed or widowed uh, and, and was an automotive shop owner. You know, the very first female to own a automotive shop, you know, in, in Santa Barbara. And, and I mean, I think in, in a lot of part of the Western Hemisphere, actually, because women just didn't own, you know, automotive shops back then. And, you know, I saw how hard she worked and also to support the family. So I knew that I would have to work, you know, early in life. But I just felt I was always in love with music. My Aunt Cindy gave me a boombox for Christmas one year. I was like 10 or 11. And it was like a Holland Oates cassette and a, you know, Steve Miller band cassette or something. And I popped it in and it was like that biggie line. I played it till the tape popped. And when a tape popped, I, I flipped it on the radio. And Michael Newman, who's a really big uh, radio consultant now, one of my mentors, was on the radio and he gave out the phone number and the request line and i just bugged him and bugged him and bugged him until uh, at 12 years old he brought me in to be his intern and he let me on the radio and push buttons and you know do all of that kind of stuff and you know then i became the music director and then around 17 i became the pd one of the youngest to ever do it um but they said i had to do alternatives they wouldn't do rap and i was like oh well that's a high kill but you know i mean We'll do whatever we have to do to make it. So I faked it till I made it. And, you know, so, uh, a, a good piece of advice is, you know, s surround yourself with people smarter than you. You know, I mean, I just surrounded myself with people that ate, sleep, and breathed alternative music. So I didn't know nothing much about it. So the next thing I know, we're breaking songs by Nirvana and Hootie and the Blowfish and Beastie Boys and doing all this kind of stuff and playing exclusives, had no doubt come into the studio. And then there was a, a, a group called Garbage that Butch Vig produced. And uh, he had just done Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins. And I said, well, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break this record. And I was the first to play it in the country. And the music director of Power 106 at the time, Bruce St. James, God bless him, came to the show. And when he was leaving, he put my name in the hat. So I came to Power February 3rd, 1997. And that's how it started. They, they, I, I was fighting the Power the whole time. You know, they didn't want me to, you know, play, you know, Ain't No Fun or All About You or all of these records that were huge in the streets. You know, even, you know, Pocos Locos was a fight. You know, the... Uh, you know, even the Little Rob record was a fight. You, you, every record was a fight. Big pun, whatever. When I wanted to put Dre and Snoop back together for Chronic 2001, they told me no. You know what I'm saying? But we finally pulled it off. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I I brought Snoop in to do Weekends and Master P heard him on the radio. And, you know, then he got a deal. And then I was I met Dre and I was like, yo, I heard Snoop once. I totally lied to him. I said, I heard Snoop wants to make records with you again. I went and lied to Snoop and said, I heard Dre want to make records with you again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because I was a fan, you know, a funny story. 
is that Chronic 2001, the, the show in Hawaii, where they first got back together, was the first time they were on stage. And I just wanted to see it because I was a fan, dog. So I, I, as soon as they hit the stage, I took my pass off and I went to the front row and Dr. Dre's in there going like, he thought, and he almost falls off the stage. I'm like, no, no. And I, so I had to walk away. And I was like, he's like, dude, what, after the show, he comes up to me and goes, what happened? What happened? You were trying to get my attention in the beginning. I was like, dog, I was a fan. I was losing my mind. I was just in the front row vibing to the show, man. That's fucking hilarious. That's that's dope as You fun. know what I mean? Like, that's what it was about. So when, like, I heard your, your record or heard, you know, Lil Rob's record or Fingers came in, because Fingers, you know, he brought me Roscoe, uh, Cali in the, in the summertime. And when they brought it, I just put it right on the radio and they were like, what the heck? And I called him and I was like, dude, you know, I want to meet this producer, you know, bring him in. Like th this record is dope, you know, and, and it was about opportunities. You know what I mean? It, there's, there's no hate in my blood when it comes to that shit. You know what I mean? I want to, I want to see people succeed. I want to put as many people through the door as I can, you know, and, and give them the shot. You know what I mean? So it's the same shot I got. And if somebody didn't give me the shot, then, you know, why are we hating on the next man? It can only only make us bigger, bro. So we had all of these exclusive records. We had Roscoe. We had Little Rob. No one else could play those records in L.A. So we had exclusive content. So we were winning, bro. And then, you know, it fell off. <laughs> That's crazy. And, and it, it went to a place of where we lost the identity in the West Coast to play our own yeah. shit in the backyard. And now it became corporate to where... It has to be auto-tune, singy-songy shit from down south. Most of the shit gets played yeah. from Atlanta, which is no hate to Atlanta, but I'm pretty sure no, the DJs in Atlanta aren't bumping the shit out of L.A. music. So we got to yeah. start by cleaning up with influence, but the beautiful thing is we've all gotten to positions and evolved as artists to positions to where yeah. we were able to elevate to a place where we adapted with the times and as powerful mm -hmm. as radio as it was back then, obviously we all know it isn't as it, as it was back then now. But we all learn. Well, and it's Everybody. platforms like this, bro. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Nah, it was a good. little delay, so I didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> no, go ahead. Platform no, but I'm like saying it, it's about platforms like this. And what I was saying to you before about why I'm so proud and just honored to know you is to watch your growth as an artist and to see you now as the OG on the block that's schooling some of these guys and not only schooling but mentoring. Like, like bringing King Little G and, and everyone together in the way that you have and still, you know, doing the exhibit thing and still doing, you know, I mean, you're doing it so right. You know what I mean? And, and supporting so many people and squashing these beefs and bringing it under your platform to where you, you said something not that long ago that, that really stuck with me. You said, you know, why is it somebody that you, or, or who's going to be the first one with the color of my skin to make it to that that top 40 number one you know spot as a star star? And I said, Doug, you're on your way. And the reason why is you're breaking down those stereotypes of, of, of people that aren't supposed to get along and, and people that aren't supposed to kick in the doors with positivity. You know what I'm saying? They want you to act a fool. That's why they're going to have the, them excuses of, oh, you know, we can't do this. We, you know, the Dre and Snoop thing. We can't do Dre and Snoop in L.A. because there's going to be a gang riot. So we had to do it in Hawaii. You know what I'm saying? And fly the listeners to them. But we proved that we could behave and have a nice show. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it takes. It takes. So the uh, next time down the line, we could do whatever. We, I could have Suge Knight in the building, and they didn't say nothing. Because mm, you proved it. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because I done already proved it. Mm-hmm. We could have every gang in Los Angeles, you know, uh, Bloods, Crips, and Essays all backstage enjoying themselves and having a good time because that was the one night of the year. Powerhouse <clears throat> was the one night of the year where all bets are off. It's neutral night. We're going to the Mizzes to have a party. You know what I mean? Like, and that's why you had everybody of every. You have Baby Bash talking to Mac 10 and, you know, you had just all kinds of cool stuff. And that's the vibe that we got to get back. But the first thing that happens is people got to lose their, excuse me, lose their ego. And that's why I love what you're doing is there's just no ego to it, man. You know what I mean? You're showing people by example. And that's what we need more of. So God bless you for doing it, homie. Hell yeah. Thank you, dog. And and at the end of the day, I think that... uh... Ego is something that all artists come in with because it's a competitive yeah. sport. But you learn and yes. you adapt and you learn as you grow, reading books, learning the the, the knowledge of the Lord, what he expects out of you. It's like a, that doesn't really get you nowhere, though. Like, I noticed that the more no. that you drop the ego and let that shit go, the more doors open. And I don't do it because of that, but it is definitely something that you notice. You know what I'm saying? Well, and, and dude, you've always been a humble guy. I mean, you always come by yourself. There are, there's no pretense. When you look in, you're direct. If there's something you don't like, you're, I mean, we've had so many different disagreements, but yet makeups and breakups, you know, all of this kind of not like that. But I'm just saying, like, you know, so many different things that it's like the positivity always comes back. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody is, a, is, 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 is egoless in this sport when it comes to us. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's what I've seen. And now you're sharing it with everybody. And I'm like, damn, dude, this guy's going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's so dope. I'm just proud to see it, man. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So being a, a, a youngster in the, in the radio game, breaking records like Nirvana and the garbages and, and those type of records, did you even understand that they, did it even come into your mind that, damn, we're literally making history before you got to the hip-hop game? Did, did it even hit you, or was it years later? <clears throat> no, because that wasn't the, you know, to me, I was flying by the seat of my pants, man. You know, a lot of, you know, the record companies, I got lucky with a lot of that stuff, because a lot of the record companies would use our station as, like, a first kind of thing, because, you know, we were, we were open to, you know, we had an independent so our independent had a lot of influence because they were, you know, buying a lot of advertising on the radio station. So a lot of times, you know, I got kind of like forced into some of the records in the smaller market. So but what was so cool about it was, you know, like a new band like Hootie and the Blowfish would come along and we'd be one of the first, you know, to play it. And we'd get to watch it from the beginning. But because we were in the beginning, we ended up getting it, you know, a little bit better in the middle and end. So, like, for instance, No Doubt, for instance, you know, when they came out, um, when they came to Santa Barbara, we had such a great relationship from supporting so much music from Interscope that they had uh, No Doubt come in and I asked for them to come in and perform acoustic. Well, not only did that give us exclusive content, we recorded that and played it as current music. So when you had your own version of Just a Girl and it was your only, you know, it was the only version heard on that radio station, it gives you that clout. And when those kind of things happen, I was like, whoa, like, how did we do that? But, you know, it it didn't hit me till my first day at power. You know what I mean? Like I started off as a board op. Like, you know, I was I was I was working for Curtis Blow and then I was working for Ice T. And then I'd go back to Santa Barbara and do my Saturday. I'd work on Friday night or Saturday nights. 
on Power and do the the Crazy Kids show, and then I go back to Santa Barbara and do my uh, my alternative promotion Saturday night, and then drive back to LA the same night and do Power Tools board offing from four to six, then go on the air from six to eight or something like that, then go back to Santa Barbara and take a nap or go to a hotel and then come back Sunday night and work for Curtis Blow. So I mean, it was like. There was no time to think, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but then when they said you, you, you could be the music director, I was like, uh, that was a whole different story. That's when I got blown away. Wow. That's so, amazing. When they threw me the keys, it was, <coughs> it was really restri- restrictive keys at first. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I had to really, really work hard. I mean, I remember the first day, big boy walking down the hall. He goes, oh, you're the white boy from Santa Barbara, the alternative guy. And I was like, yeah, he goes, we're fucked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Straight like, like that. Know, huh? It was like, you know what I mean? Like, dude, it was, I, every day I had to prove it. Damn. You know what I mean? But, you know, as time went on, you know, I mean, and we started doing these crazy things. And, like, you know, they would tell me that, you know, like, the ain't no fun thing. These, these records were so big in the streets and everybody loved them in rap. So I'm like, why can't we play these on the radio? And they're like, they're not radio records. You can't play that in Morning Drive. Yeah. So they told me I couldn't put it in any of the weekly testing because radio stations, the way they work is they test their music. So every week they call up 100 random people and play the hooks of the records, which is the chorus, over the phone and ask them on a scale of one to 10, do you like this? Do you not like this? You know, is it familiar to you? Can you name the artist? Can you name the song? And all of this kind of stuff. So what happened was, is like with Ain't No Fun, I just put it in the weekly call out of, with all the regular current records. And it tested bigger than, you know, a Tupac record or, a, a, you know, a current, you know, whatever DMX record or, or Mac 10 record or anything like that. And my boss was like, you know, if you put that in the testing, you're going to get fired. And I did it anyway, and it came back number one, so she couldn't say nothing. I mean, I, dude, I almost got fired so many times, it was stupid. When Dr. Dre called me up and invited me to the house one night and said, you know, I want to, I, I, I need some advice. I was like, Dr. Dre called me for advice? Like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Like, and I show up, and he points to Eminem in the booth, and he goes, how do I break the white boy? Damn. And I'm like, dude, you tell me the story of NWA from beginning to end, and I'll break the white boy for you. <laughs> and he goes, you got all night? Just like that. And I'm like, dude, I got all night. So I sat on his washer and dryer. He sat on his little stairs. And it, from like midnight till 6 a.m., he told me the whole story of Eminem, or, or uh, NWA. And Eminem comes out at about 6 o'clock in the morning from the studio, tired of waiting. And he looks over. He goes, I'm going home. I said, no, you're not. You're going to the Baker Boy show at Power 106. You're going to announce that you're doing Friday Night Flavors 10-year anniversary uh, Friday night or tonight. And uh, give me that record, Hi, My Name Is. Damn. And Michelle Mercer, who was my boss at the time, said, you put that white boy on stage, you're fired. Dr. Dre is over. That white boy, haven't you ever heard of Vanilla Ice? You know, all of this kind of stuff. And I remember E-Man and I looked at each other and it was like, well, it was a good run. <laughs> you know what I mean? Damn, like, <laughs> like that. And we put, and every primo and dub C and everybody was looking at me like, you're going to put a white boy on stage? Like, are you crazy? Like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, so I said it's Dr. Dre's new artist. And they all looked at me. So before I knew it, everybody's on the side of the stage. You know, I'm there with Coolio, rest in peace, and you know all of these guys, and they're all watching. Eminem got through the first part of that song, "Fuck You," and dude, that place went to shit. And freaking, I walked in the office the next morning, and I was literally, I had a box, and I was putting my shit in the box, thinking I'm getting fired. 
You, you know yeah. what I mean? And my boss came in and you're like, and she was like, "You're lucky that white boy killed it. Bring me the record." Damn. Now imagine and then this. We played "How My Name Is." Now you imagine know what I mean? this. And that's how you got how Eminem got started. You are a key reason why there's even Beats by Dre's out here. Think about that. You're a key reason why 50 Cent is in the game. Uh, think about... Oh, you know how 50 Cent that's right? But, but wait wait a second. <laughs> I want to know in a minute, but think about this. What if you went with the, with the inconform to what your boss said and said, okay, fuck it. I'm going to play it safe today. I'm not going to play the white boy. We're not going to break him. And let's just say that Eminem never got popped because the most influential radio station in the West Coast... Uh, Arguably, in the United States of America, didn't play the record. Now let's see where what what happened because I remember I was a fan. I was in the streets. Dre just came off of I've been there, I done that. You got guns, I got straps, and let's keep it one thousand. Yeah. That shit wasn't really felt in the streets like that. Motherfuckers were like, but ah, Dre fell off. Me. That's what it was. I was saying the same shit. People but were that like, Dre like, fell like, off. So as a fan, I'm telling you, I feel if he didn't come with Eminem at that moment. For sure, it would have been a rap for Dre, a hundred thousand percent. Well, well, dude, you you got to look at it like this. I am an example of what happens if you let a fan in the building. Do you know what that's I mean? Not... Like, like, and that's what it is. Like, I'm a fan. You know, you said something to me today that that really stuck with me. Is people don't understand me. They don't understand me because I'm just regular, and what I do is motivated not by what most people are motivated by. I'm motivated. My loyalty is to the music. Hell yeah. Is to hip hop. That's it. That's it. If you want to understand me, that's it. Fuck the rest. I'm a regular guy. I do stupid shit. I say dumb shit. I, you know, all of this kind of crap. But my loyalty is bleed the music. So if it's right for the music, that's where you see me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But if there's some bullshit, you don't. That makes sense. And that's just what it is. You got to respect that. Now, listen. We got to a position where we're at 30 minutes on the Zoom and Critical said we got a warning where it's going to shut us down on Zoom because we can't go past 30 minutes. You want to explain that, Crit? No, I said you got to upgrade. We got Well, let's upgrade. What do I got to do? I got my card right here. That's it. So, it. so you broke So you broke the white boy. You had a chance to hear the NWA story. <laughs> so you were, you were basically, you, you were basically creating podcasts personally back then. Like, shit, I'm going to use this and, and, and learn some yeah. shit. And doing the podcast thing just personally. That's dope as hell. Well, just imagine if 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 we had that technology back then. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Dre and Snoop in front of and Eminem and Warren G and Shaquille O'Neal and you know, all of these guys in in a hotel ballroom in Hawaii, two hundred people. Wow. You know what I'm saying? That's hard. You know, and, and what's a, a funny story is uh, the Booya tribe showed up. Oh, and shit. yeah, on behalf of death row. And uh, I came down and Snoop was was like, you know, I'm going to go down there. And I was like, no, 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 no. Let's not ruin the show. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, here comes a little white boy down the escalator. And I'm like, who the hell is in charge here? Like, you know what I mean? And they were so because I was young and stupid. You know, I was talking shit and I invited them in. And I remember Snoop Dogg said, well, what happened? Why is it all calm? Like, usually the Booyah tribe comes up, shows up and all hell breaks loose. I said, oh, I invited him in. Wow. And he was like, what? And I said, look, they're over there behind the ring of police for their protection. 
Damn. And he said, what do you mean? I said, because they're stars. I mean, I knew the Booyah tribe from when they were making records with EYC and all this other stuff. So I came down. I said, look, you ever want to get your records played on Power 106? This is your opportunity. That's it. So we can do this one or two ways. You know what I mean? Like, you want to do business or you guys want to just fuck the place up? That's hard. And they respected that. To this day, you know, Godfather passed away and, and Red passed away. But and rest in peace guys and and you know but giant and i still talk and giants come stay with me and granny before and and you know cobra and i i talk every once in a while and and he always shows love and i still know him to this day you know i mean i made friends that weekend you know what i mean like that's dope and you know what's fucking crazy is i've been backstage with them cats they showed up to a show i was doing in salt lake city And when you say giants, them dudes are no yeah. joke. Their presence is felt. Like they they pulled up and I was with a couple of my homies that are kind of bigger. And they made, they made my homies look tiny. <laughs> them fools are big. Yeah, you know, they, them Samoan they, cats. They they always show me so much love, you know, because it was kind of funny, you know, the little white boy that would always talk shit. And I picked the biggest one, giant, and I was like, yo, step back, homie. You know, da 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 you know like that is a demise move. <laughs> I'll like, tell you. I could vouch for that. Like, I could vouch for that. You know, you know what I mean. So it was always, you know, it, it was always kind of comedy. You know what I mean? Like so, you know. Years later, I remember one time we were having a show out in uh, Glen Helen, and uh, they called me laughing, like, "Yeah, we're gonna go right on this rapper." And I was like, "Motherfucker, that's my show." Like, you know, what I mean? and they were like, "Oh shit, we got to turn around. That's the Mizzou show." Mm. You, know, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's respect, and that's that's the power so they, that you I have. Mean, they always show love, man, and I, you know. And the thing that I learned, dog, and even like with Suge Knight, you know, how I met Suge, you know, when he got out of jail, he was gonna come to Powerhouse, and I just said, "Nah, man, come and enjoy the show." You know what I mean? And and he was like, "Dog, no one's ever invited you or something." <laughs> You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, you show people respect, you get respect back. And, you know, in, instead of tearing it up, you know, and, and that's what I was saying even about what you were doing in, with, the, with the King Little G thing and stuff like that is you, you show respect and then you get it back. Now you guys are making records and shit. Yeah. That's, that's for the cause, homie. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's a stamp. Yeah, I appreciate that. I love that. it. You know, it's crazy is sometimes as youth, uh, we don't see the bigger vision and the bigger picture, mm-hmm. but as you grow, Living you adapt and, and you read. And like I said, I keep on putting back to going back to learning and, and growing in the Lord. You learn love, you learn embracement, you learn brotherhood, you learn what what really, really pushes things forward. It, like I always say, and I take you back to this: we could destroy some shit. We could all destroy some shit. It's the easiest thing to do as human yeah. beings. But to build something you appreciate it, it takes love to build. It takes uh, intention. It takes passion. It takes work, dedication, sacrifice. And when you put that much uh, emotions into something, it lasts a lot longer than destroying. You know what I'm saying? Well, and 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 what people don't realize is entertainment and music is the center of it all. You know what I mean? You have love. You have hate. You have drugs. You have sex. You have money. You have, you know, all. It's like five points, Texas. Every all roads lead to that, and there's so much passion in it. But like what you're saying is, look at that situation with the Booyah tribe. You know, I came down. I addressed them as men. I, I I discussed it. I said, look, you know, here's the option: we can do the business, or everybody can end up in the pinta. Straight up, and that's what it would you know, have been. So. Can we can we establish a long relationship and make things work? But they had the same attitude at the time was we're never going to get played on the radio. And I'm like, nah, dog, this is your opportunity. 
That's what these motherfuckers said. Dre and Snoop said they weren't going to get played on the radio again. Well, look at what's happening. You know what I mean? So if they can do it and put that death row shit behind them, well, what's up with you? Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's powerful. That's a way to know and your it, position. It was dope because then not only did I make good friends for life and they've the, been some of the realest cats I ever met, you know what I'm saying, still to this day, you know, I mean, long-term relationship and they got their records played. They had that record with Cypress Hill and Eminem. Bang. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that shit was big. Hip-hop is in the state of 911. Yeah. That shit is classic. So let's let's take you back to some of the most classic records that you broke. Well, what is a record when you were kicking in the door and being unconventional and having to prove that you were the, the, the youngster that came in with the alternative music background? What were some of the key and most significant records that you remember? Okay, like, these are the ones that the Miza really impressed us with, that really took this shit, that took our station to another level. Because I know for a fact that before you came... Power 106 was more like a techno and, and party station. Yeah. And you helped hip it, turn it to a hip-hop station. So so what were those key key records? Well, I mean, I think the first one was Backyard Boogie. Okay. You know what I'm saying? When I took that off a cassette and just threw that on the radio, that was, you know, that, that was flying by the seat of your pants. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because, you know, that's not something, and you know how radio works. That's, you don't just take something off a cassette and go walk into the radio. You know, my boss was, you know, on the phone before it got past first bar. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it was like, what are you doing? Trying Why to stop is Tim on the radio? What is this unreleased music you're playing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, get in my office. You know what I mean? Like, I was getting chewed out every day. So it was like, you know, but but these calculated risks, as I call them, I mean, you can't really go wrong in L.A. with Mac 10. You know what I mean? So it was like at least give it a shot and and be different before someone else plays it. But, you know, Backyard Boogie was one. Big Pun was another, uh, not a player. Uh, we broke that before New York. You know, we played it before New York played it. Damn. Um, and broke that artist, you know, and Big Pun was at rest in peace. Was I was friends with him until he passed, you know, um, uh uh, you know, making Nate Dogg a solo artist, you know, and and having the honor of producing music in me for his album, um, you know that that was a, a milestone. But um, yeah, I mean, Backyard Boogie was probably the first in a long line. I mean, there were so many records that we broke because you know, as I grew at Power 106, you know, Steve Smith, uh, who was my, another one of my mentors with Michael Newman in Santa Barbara when I was 12 years old ended up uh, coming from Hot 97 in New York to L.A. to, to uh, fill the program director position. And um, and so I worked with Steve, and we had Hot 97 in New York, Power 106 in Los Angeles, and 32 stations in the middle. So if we ended up breaking a record and playing a record, it wasn't just on Power 106. It was on Power 106, Hot 97, and 32 stations in the middle nationwide. So if I put Hi, My Name Is on the radio and, you know, get a couple thousand spins the first week, you know what I mean? So it was like, you know, cracking a baseball and having it fly across the ocean. You know what wow. I mean? Like, talking about a home run. You know what I mean? So, like, Hi, My Name Is was another one. You know what I mean? Like, uh, still DRE. You know, I mean, that whole chronic 2001 package. Wow. You know, I mean, the, the exhibit stuff. Uh, you know, I remember Exhibit came to my office one time and he was on Friday Night Flavors and I'm like, what's going on? He's like, eh, you know, I, I'm 
can't get anything played and da 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 And I was just sitting there. I turned around, looked at the computer and put paparazzi back in just so we would feel that love. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it, it's, 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 it's not about just breaking records. It's cultivating the relationship with the artists that make them so that, that there's a loyalty there. And, you know, it, it's not really loyalty personally. It's loyalty to a, each other's brands. You know, Hard Knock Life, Jay-Z, and, and then being able, that gave me an opportunity to put Jay-Z and Snoop Dogg together in New York. You know, Jay-Z called me one time and said, you know, I want to get uh, Snoop to come out at Summer Jam. And I was like, great, we can squash this East-West beef in one failed swoop. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like, and then, like, you know, I had Snoop at, uh, at uh, one of our jams. It was like a flavor jam at uh, the Palace in Hollywood. And I had booked Puffy to come in as a surprise guest, and he brought Biggie with him. So I, I you know, kind of put them together as kind of a nudge to be like, you know, hey, you know, let's squash this bullshit. And uh, Snoop came out behind Biggie when Biggie was performing Crush on You, and uh, Puffy was doing Can't Nobody Hold Me Down and all that crap. And Snoop comes out behind Big, and, you know, he's doing his dance on the side of the stage, and people saw that. And when they saw that, it put the image of this East-West thing doesn't have nothing to do with us. So that with the with the New York uh, Jay-Z Snoop thing, overnight, you just never heard about that East-West piece anymore. You know what I'm saying? And to be a part of that was, was, was that's like one of the highlights of my career. Monumental, homie. Monumental. You, you, you saved, you helped, you're, you helped put in motion a movement that started creating Saving lives, obviously, you know, because everybody well, knows the demise. I don't want to take nothing away from Snoop. <clears throat> yeah, Snoop, Snoop did that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Snoop had to walk out there, you know, with Biggie on stage and make that statement. So shout out to Snoop and 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 what what Snoop did. You know what I mean? And then the Jay Z thing when Jay Z called and I put Snoop on three way. You know, it wasn't no ego shit. It, like I'm saying, it was just like hell yeah, I'll do that. That's you know what right. I'm saying? Send the jet. And I was so shook when 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 Snoop says Jay Z send the jet. I'm like, oh shit! He you fucked know, up. It's too much. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this fool won't fly commercial. No, but you know, I, I mean, it, it was dope because Jay was like, no problem, and he sent the jet. Hey, that's you know that's I mean? some boss shit for Snoop to say. You know, you know what I'm saying? There is Snoop at Summer Jam. I can and just picture him smoking a blunt, like send the jet, cuz. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's hard shit. Now let's talk about let's talk about Snoop Dogg. Let's talk about yeah. the moment that you ran into Snoop in that Georgetown yeah. Georgetown uh, Hoya's fucking get up, and you said yeah. he didn't have the money, he didn't have the grind. He was yeah, like, you know. Let's was, talk about it. It was a trip because he had just got off death row, and he and I walked up to him and I was like, "Yo, man, what, what, what's going on? You're Snoop Dogg. I'm Damian. I'm the new music director. If you got anything you want to get played? Anything unreleased?" Da, 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 da. He's like, man, I'm not doing good right now, man. I, you know, Death Row was paying me monthly. Now I'm not making that money, you know, da, 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 da. And I don't know why, but I, I just said, why don't you come work at Power? And I, I'll give you a weekend shift. And he was like, what? So, I mean, he literally came in, filled out the application, and was an employee of Power 106. Damn. You know, and I'm like, I'm like, at least, you know, I know it's not much, but, you know, we'll pay you hourly, and at least, you know, hey, you know, it's some money coming in. Shit. You know, and so he he took it and I mean, he ran with it. He would play those unreleased songs. I was like, dude, play whatever you want. So he had two hours to play whatever he wanted on the radio. So he played, uh, you know, he started playing the music. And then I come in one 
one weekend and he's just dripping in all new ice, big old Rolex, all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, what happened? He goes, Master P heard me on the radio, heard some of this new music and, you know, he gave me a deal. Damn, just like that. Yeah, and then I was like, well, are we going to do this Dre and, and Snoop thing? And he was like, well, let me finish up this project and then, you know, I'm open for whatever. And that's how it happened. He started seeing that real money. Because at death row, he wasn't oh, yeah. seeing the money. It was a salary, and everybody nah. knows that all the I cards mean, it were in Shug's like, name. It, it, yeah, it was something crazy. It was like five grand a month or something. Yeah. You know, that they were, you know, that that. that but, you know, I don't think they were, and it's not my business, so I, I don't know, but I, I don't think they were giving him his royalties or something or, you know, whatever. But he was, you know, he was in a bad spot. And yeah, I was, was like, yo, dude, like, I was like, Look, well, let's get you back with Dr. Dre and let's make some history because it worked out great for both of us. You know what I mean? Being the platform that, you know, Dre and Snoop, you know, I mean, you, because we did that, and the Hawaii stuff and the relationship, like I was in the room when they did Still VRE, Scott Storch's first night. You know, Dr. Dre would call me over, you know, the night that that M did, you know, uh, uh, the real Slim Shady. That's you know, hard. I'd get the first call, come to the studio right now. I think we got it. You know what I'm saying? Like I ran into uh, Eminem at a Backstreet Boys party of all things. And, you know, uh, he, he said, look, you know, you got to come by the studio tomorrow. I want to play you some stuff. And he didn't, he had Stan, he had Kill You, he had all these. I'm like, he's like, I don't have the single yet. I'm like, dude, I'll play all those. You know what I'm saying? Forget that. Like, let me do this. And he was like, no, nah, I ain't got it yet. And the next night he called me, he goes, come to the studio, come to the studio. And they played me the real Slim Shady. And I was like, yeah, that's it. And they're like, don't play it on the radio, but here's a cassette. Damn. You know what I mean? Like, so to have that love and to be able to, to have that kind of access. And then with the, with the chronic 2001, Dr. Dre was like, we had so much fun in, in Hawaii. We want to take it on the road. You got any ideas? And I was like, well, you know, the homie Jay Brown, who works with Jay-Z, his wife works for Magic Johnson. Why don't we get Magic Johnson to do the promotion? And then we will use the same people that we did in Hawaii for the staging and all that kind of stuff. A funny story about Dr. Dre is when we did the Hawaii thing, he almost said no. And the reason why he said no is he couldn't get his lowrider in the hotel room ball in the 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 Hilton Hawaiian Village Ballroom. <laughs> Damn, he wasn't playing about that shit, huh? Damn. But, you know, he ended up saying yes, and he ended up doing it. But, you know, it was, I mean, there's so many funny stories like that, man, where it was just like, is this going to happen? You know what I'm saying? Like, but it was as a fan, so you can't really hate on that. But he ended up giving us, because we, you know, we he, he let me put TQ on, on the opening act thing, and then the two shows in L.A., you know, it was a real competitive market. You had the beat, you had Kiss, and you had all these people fighting to get, you know, uh, on-site promotions and stage presence and all this kind of stuff at Chronic 2001. Well, Dr. Dre said, you know, Dr. Dre Nothing said, new idiots. You know, Dr. Dre's dead. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, you know. I had to do it. And a funny thing, a funny story, you know, you know that exhibit song with Dr. Dre? Where uh, you know who's running these fucking streets. The king of these West Coast gangster beats. And you know who that is that says, but Dr. Dre. <laughs> it's Eminem, no? That's me. Oh, shit. That's you. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard. That's right. That's hard. We were in That's there talking about history. you playing records and shit. And he looks over and like, you need someone to say that. Yeah. He goes, go in there and just say, but Dr. Dre. 
That's right. Now I can hear it. And they didn't put it in there. Cigar put it in there. Shout that's out Cigar. Man, that's that's dope. Now being in those those studio sessions, obviously you know the music was dope. You had an ear for it. But did you realize yeah. that it would go on to sell the tens and millions of records and become as classic as they are? Fuck no. Not even close. No, nobody sees Not it, huh? Even. Dude, you know, I, I didn't realize well when Eminem happened, when that when that, you know, it was funny because the morning before so Eminem shows up my office one day out of the blue, just shows up at the office. And he wasn't really a star yet. No one knew what he looked like, really. You know, that just the people that, you know, maybe were at the show or, you know, that kind of stuff. The song was playing, Hi, My Name Is, it was picking up steam, but nobody really knew, you know, what he looked like and who he was yet. And he showed up to the office and this receptionist calls me. He's like, there's this guy in here, Marshall something, and Eminem something, he's in my lobby says he wants to talk to you, Imagine but, you know, that. he was in, like, a uh, wrinkled white T-shirt and sweats and, you know, all this kind of shit. He really didn't have the blonde hair yet, I don't think, you know, any of that shit yet. And and they were like, you, you know, <laughs> he looked like a homeless kid or something. So he shows up, and and receptionist calls me. I'm like, oh, I know, yeah, send him in. It's Dr. Dre's artist. And he comes in, and he, he says, can I shut the door? Can I talk to you for a minute? I was like, what? And he goes, dog, he goes, uh, so Scope just had this party for me? And uh, they kept saying, congratulations, congratulations, you got a buzz clip. Um, what the fuck is a buzz clip? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, homie, that means you're going into hot rotation on MTV. If there's anything that you want to do right now, go take your daughter to Taco Bell, whatever you want to do. Because once that starts, Eminem is going to take over and Marshall Mathers is dead. Damn. I said, you will never be able to do anything again. You're going to get recognized like a motherfucker. You knew it. And he goes, I, I won't be able to take my daughter places without people bugging me. And it was this weird, confused, like, happy, like my dreams are about to come true, but fuck, is this what I really want? Damn. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm going to surrender my life now. So he was kind of like happy, but depressed as he was leaving. <laughs> you know what I mean? But then I, you know, the next time I saw him, he just looked at me and said, you were right. You know what I mean? And that's when I really knew because when when the second album of Eminem came out and Real Slim Shady took off and we were doing the the uh, uh, the the Chronic Island, which was the Hawaiian thing, and Dr. Dre said, shout out to Power 106 on the red carpet for putting together, you know, with me and Snoop are getting back together and made that announcement. I was just like, okay, now we're now we're impacting shit. Dr. Dre just went on MTV and said, thanks to Power 106 for, for putting us back together. You know what I mean? And it was like, okay, it's over now. Getting your flowers. <clears throat> Getting your flowers. And it was, it was yeah, that, that, was, that was the moment where I said, I was sit, I'll never forget it. I was sitting in my condo in Burbank watching the opening shit. Of, and I was by myself and I was just about to go to bed. And I, I looked at the thing and I was just like, Dr. Dre just said Power 106 on MTV. It's over. Like it's over. We're now we're now we're rolling. Damn. And, just like and that. soon after that, we became number one, man. And it was it was in between program directors, in between Steve Smith and 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 Jimmy Steele. So it was it it was it, it was the that was the moment of my career where I was just like, man, we did it. We did some shit you know that impacted like, the whole culture. Yeah, that's you know what I mean. Like a friend of mine, Lev, who who I love to death, said, "Dude, he goes. This was the other day. He goes, do you realize that you? It's not many people that can say that they affected popular culture. 
you know what I mean? Like impacted the world. Like the by putting Dre and Snoop back together, and then the Eminem thing, the exhibit thing, the 50 Cent thing, the you know, just what came of it, G Unit, you know, game, you know, this whole bloodline of new music came through the door. If you didn't go to Power Six and make that move with Snoop that night, then make that move with Dr. Dre that night. And I'm not saying all by myself because there were so many other people involved, you know, the, the labels and the label reps and all the people, you know, the management people and everybody behind the scenes that helped get it together. But that one idea impacted so much in the world. Just putting Snoop Dre back together impacted the world. And if one person can do that on that level, think what everybody else can do. And that's why I'm saying there's so much to what you did with the King Little G thing. That one little impact is going to save lives. And that's what hip hop is all about, is finding a way out. And that's what you did. That's why I was like, yo, Krim, you don't know what you're doing, bro. You did it. You're fucking doing it. This platform is right. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I said that day on Power 106 is we made it. Now what am I going to do with it? Wow. You know what I'm saying? That's powerful. I can go ego and be an asshole. I can go do all this other shit and do ba 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 ba. We made it. Fuck everybody. No. Now we're going to break these young artists. Now we're going to start putting these young ones on because now you can't tell me shit. If I want to put in, put big, big pun on the radio, can't say nothing because I got a track record in the history now. We're number one now. It's you know, but there's a bigger microscope too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, Popo shows up at the door. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, these shows, you know, with all these rappers, you know, what, what are you up to? You know I mean? But then, you know, with Ja Rule and breaking Ja Rule and shout out to Murder Inc., they always show love. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, <clears throat> you know, when we did that, we balanced it out with the R&B, you know what I'm saying? And, and Ashanti and breaking those type of records. So so we we stayed palatable, you know what I'm saying? And still kept it cool. And we proved that rap can, can behave itself. It's not always going to be a fight. And that's what you're doing. And I respect it so much. That's you have cool. no idea. Hell yeah. You know, I think that when we see that there's a bigger picture involved, and I feel like yep. the, the community's watching. I feel like we have a big responsibility. And if we don't step into yeah. the shoes and fill them, then we're just a waste. We're a waste of existence. That's how I truly feel about it. It's like, what are you going to do with your moment? You know what I'm saying? And I know for a fact I'm planting my flag down and I'm trying to do something for my people because, like I said in interviews before, I done had the conversations with my fans that they gangbanged and they rolled to my music. That shit felt cool when I was young and in that mind frame. That shit don't feel cool as I got into my elderly years, right, of, of musically. Say, I say elderly because I've been rapping 23 years, right? I was a kid when I picked up the mic. So uh, I've been rapping so long, it feels like I've seen a transition of people grow from the hardest thugs and gangbangers to my music to now lawyers and doctors and champions. I, I learned that my music helped breed a, a champion in the UFC, Brian T. City Ortega. He told me my music helped fucking push him through some of the mo toughest moments before he became a champion in, in, in his fighting career. So it's beautiful to see that if you hold on to your dream, and even you look in the mirror and say, fuck, I might not might not still have the energy to push this. I'm, I might not want to keep pushing through for this dream. This other shit, this shit gets a little too hard or whatever the fuck case may be. You just push through and you never know who you might be really impacting because you impacted millions of people. You Maybe you still don't realize it, you know? Well, and, and I remember this one moment, especially with you. We were, we were on the Internet and we saw those kids in Syria. 
and they were shooting. You know, they they had come from L.A. and they were they were shooting in Syria. Yeah, and I they, that. they they mentioned you and and high power. Mm -hmm. And I saw the look on your face. Like it, it was like half dope that that you're being acknowledged, but like wait a minute, what what's the fuck going is on? going on? Yeah, it was very confusing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you you kind of had this. I think something clicked at that moment, and that was when I saw started seeing the change. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe it's just a coincidence, but that's when I started seeing you kind of look at things from a different perspective. That's when things started to change and you started, and maybe it's just a coincidence, but that's when your business mind changed too. And you were like, I need to build this company. I need to make things right. I want to impact the industry in a different way. I want to get, I want to expand and do more directing. I want to do this. I want to do movies. I want to do blah, blah, blah. And you know, it was like, you did it, homie. You you set it out on the table and you did it. Oh yeah, it took a lot of work. It took a lot of uh, teamwork. It took people like yeah. you to believe in me because I, I remember getting the stamp from, from my old record label, but I remember especially getting like a bigger feeling that an outside camp wanted to work with me. And I remember walking into the to the Rose Lane Records and having the whole studio and you just remembering how much control and, and, and love that everybody had for you there. And it was like, hey, you were pretty much like an orchestra, uh, the person that, I don't know how, what they call it when they direct everything. Conductor. A conductor, homie. You literally were a conductor. You had so many people moving so many different parts from photographers, video people, producers, engineers, singers, rappers, coming in at all times trying to have meetings with you and talk to you and then game plan with you and then shoot for you. And I was part of that. And, and, and I thank you for allowing me to, to, to expand my brand through yours and, and, and seeing different lights because I never was in mansions shooting music videos for a TQ and cats like this. These are opportunities that you got uh, on tour buses, like half million dollar tour buses with bone thugs, just chilling <laughs> with the homies, recording videos like this is shit. Like when I was locked up and getting out, these were moments that I never thought would be possible in my life. So it, it's dope that we uh, were able to have these type of relationships built from watching you as a fan, as a kid and listening to the movement in and out of jail and hearing everything that you're speaking of as a consumer and then becoming an artist myself and then being groomed and mentored and taken to another level by you believing in me, homie. Straight up, that shit was dope as fuck. Bro, I appreciate that shit. Homie. You earned it, bro. And, you know, I, I really appreciate that. And it means a lot coming from you because I know that you don't just hand out compliments. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you've been a, a, an inspiration, homie. And I, I really appreciate you too. You know, I mean, that was a kind of a low point in my life, but you were always there. You know what I mean? You'd always say, homie, I'm worried about you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, nah, you know, you and, and, and well, no, I mean, and, and it's real shit. You know what I mean? Like, but you know, the other, the other crazy thing, and especially about that time is you were in such a gross spurt. You were like, you know, just eating everything that you could see. And I was like, how can I keep this fool busy? Do you know what I'm saying? So like if something would come up with bone or something like that, I would be like, dog, Chris a perfect guy for it. You know what I'm saying? I remember when we uh when we did that photo shoot for TQ out at the airport and uh and we had the low riders on the on the runway and all this kind of shit. Yeah. And I snuck in a <laughs> and the police cover. as soon as you crossed over the hangar, them police was on you. <laughs> yeah, you remember that shit? Hey, 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 and I remember very clearly you were like, hey, homie, we're right here. There's jets around. There's fucking video. Whatever you want to do, do it. And I remember looking at the yeah. two and was like, I don't think I've ever been in but that private hangar. Yeah. That's the way I look at my position. You know, everybody plays their position. 
but it doesn't matter whether it's you, whether it's critical or, or whether it's BAMs or whether it's some new kid on the street. If there's something that I can do to empower you and show you that you can make it, I will. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has a different thing that they're trying to do in life. And if there's something that I can do to empower that, that's what I want to do. I had a mentor. I want to, what are you doing? <laughs> I can't get this. I didn't want you to know that. All right. Yeah, that's way better of a shot. All right, cool. So there we are. So what were we speaking about just to cut back in? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, man. Shit, I don't remember. I want to make sure that uh, we were talking about what, correct? Fuck, I don't know. We're oh, empowerment. About... Empowerment. So, on these type of things, obviously that you you you're in a position of of making records happen that people weren't expecting. You were in a position of putting artists together due to the influence and the power that you had through radio, and your position obviously was huge. What were some things that you wished happened that you could look back and say, "Damn, if this would have happened, this would have changed the game," or like, "I really wish this could have went through." You know what I'm saying, like. What were those moments like? Do you have any, any of those at all? You know, it, the only thing that I can say about that is I wish they didn't make the changes that they were making just to make the changes. You know what I mean? Like when the new regime came in out after, you know, the Dre and Snoop thing and after Steve Smith left, you know, there was this this vacuum to find, you know, uh, a new uh vp of programming to baby to basically babysit damien you know what i'm saying like <laughs> you know what i mean like and it it you know it it ruined the station you know what i mean like it they were making decisions just to make decisions there was a a country station called kzla that we owned and they switched the format to do uh what was called mega which would play like Rihanna and those kind of things. Well, that was our upper demo records. And, you know, that would erode part of our ratings. And then they rented a spot on our antenna and that came out as Latino 96.3. So we started, we were shooting ourselves in the foot and I kept saying, don't do this, don't do this. And they were like, no, we're making the decisions. We're the bosses now. And I'm like, "I, I just can't stay here. You know, I can't do that. I've never not had a number one radio station. I'm not going to let you tear up my legacy. Damn. And and they wanted to do it anyway just to do it. And now the saddest thing is Power is like the last, one of the last English-speaking radio stations in Los Angeles. And to watch something that was so mighty and, and you know, watching that, there's a video out that Big Boy did of, of why I left Power 106. And I had the exact same experience. You know, uh, the attitude is once you leave Power 106, you know, you can never go back. And, you know, I, I called them up not that long ago and I somebody who, who I will remain nameless, but, you know, is powerful there. And I just said, look, homie, like, dude, you got it's like, you know, you, you, you drive a Ford truck. You got Henry Ford in your backyard. You work on Chevys, but you're a master mechanic. So, you know, you got an ego about things. Instead of just asking Henry Ford to come in and fix it. You want to sit there and say, I can fix it myself, but it's got four flat tires and it's grinding every time you turn on the ignition. Why don't you just ask homie to fix it? But every time I step forward to say like, hey, homie, can I please help you? They act like I'm trying to steal their sandwich. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it, that's what I regret is I couldn't leave it on a, on a, on a place where it was like, you know, you could call me to help you. You know what I'm saying? It's just, that's the only thing I, 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 I regret, if you will. I don't have any other regrets and nothing else could have happened. We, we, everything we wanted to do, we did, but we hit the ceiling and we got to a point where the egos just got too big and the egos are still there and the ratings aren't. Wow. That's a powerful statement. It's sad. It's Damn. really freaking sad. Now, you know, and I, and I sent real positive email. I'm going to be in town. I was speaking at juvenile hall not that long ago in, in Silmar. God bless you. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, because, you know, my boy Pharaoh, God bless him, you know, director over there, you know, he, he was an intern at Baby Reed back in the day. Damn. You know, same stuff you and, and, and Critical and Bams and Skippy and, you know, everybody. He was one of those 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 young people and he was one of my interns. And now he works in, as a director of, of one of the, you know, the juvenile halls. So I went he asked me to come and, you know, the juvenile hall system. Uh, bought my book for the entire system and you know all the kids got it so right before the pandemic I was going to go and everybody got the book and go you know talk about it and the pandemic hit and so they locked down the jail so I couldn't go so you know this last couple weeks ago I just hopped on a plane and went out there and you know went and uh, shot up my boy Peso I saw him in there um, but you know I, I, I was like Man, I was, I was like listening and I was like, dog, I can come by and just sit for a couple of hours and help you with these clocks and, you know, fix this. You could be top 15, you know, in the next couple of months. Like, come on, man. And he was and they were like, they, they were like, oh, you feel like we owe you something? And I was like, what are you talking about? I started stop by for a couple of hours. I'm not asking for a job. <laughs> you know what I mean? I live in Louisiana and I take care of my 95 year old grandma. That's what I do. You know, I'm just saying I could help you. And they were, they took his, you know, arrogance because they're, they're, they're trying to defend what they're doing and it's not working. You have too many, you have too many chiefs and not enough Indians. You've got, you know, three people in programming that, you know, are these big egos that, you know, instead of just doing the right thing and doing what works, I mean, if power was the, if I had, was programming Power 106 right now and it was the last close to the last English speaking radio station in Los Angeles, I would be putting together a brain trust so sick, I would be calling every program director I knew that ever had any success and saying, kick the tires and tell me what you think we need to do. You know what I'm saying? And any idea that ever worked before, I would be trying. But instead of doing that, it's like they're just trying to hold on to the check or something. You know, and, and it's like, no, you're trying to steal my sandwich or if you come in here and fix it, then we're going to look bad. You know, there's no other reason. I mean, I didn't do nothing to none of them people, well, except for make them rich. Well, you, know you know what I'm saying? The first when when Big Boy called me in after I had left, and and when we were doing cruising, and uh, and shout out to Big Boy for for saying we could come play it and stuff like that. I showed up, and and the, the first thing out of Big Boy's mouth was he said, "Dog, thank you." He goes, "I'm still living off of you." That's and I was fun. like, I was like, damn. Thank you. Like, like, damn, that's dope. He's like, no, thank you. I mean, I, we, you built Power 106. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. And I was like, no, no one's ever told me that before. Like, thank you. 
you know, and then I walked down the hall and, and the program director at the time was like, so what's wrong with my radio station? I'm like, I'm trying to tell you, but you know, you don't want to listen, you know, this is what's wrong. And they were like, no, I, I don't think you're right. You've been out of radio too long. You don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, okay. And you know, now they're last. So, I mean, obviously I was right. So, I mean, it can't get any worse. You know what I mean? Like you're in <laughs> no last shit, place. Man. Straight up. You know, call the homie and fix it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, put your ego aside really quick. The Miz will go in there and do a couple little things, and boom. There you know what is. I mean? You haven't broke the record in 10 years. So I'm going to make I mean, a it's, phone it's, call. It's messed up. And what they don't realize is it impacts the culture. I mean, how many hits has Dr. Dre had since Power 106 was at the top? How many hits have, have, have been missed? How many young people have been put on? That's you know what I'm saying? From our it's area, not, too. It's not, you know what I'm saying? We're back to that mentality of, I'm not going to get played on the radio. Oh, for sure. I'm not going to get that shot. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Where we erased that. We broke down the stereotypes. We broke down all that. We showed with Latinos, Blacks, Whites, Asians. Everybody can kick it together at a show. And not have, we didn't have one fight at any Power 106 event during that timeline. Not one. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Beer and alcohol and all that stuff was still to sale. All of that stuff. We never had a fight at Powerhouse. Never. That's amazing. So I want to ask you a question. We know the business side. We know. And and by the way, wouldn't it be an amazing thing if we could get Demiza uh, and Power 106 to, to see eye to eye from <laughs> this podcast? We squashing beefs even with program directors and radio stations. Fuck yeah, let's go. That's what I'm we're going to do. Dude, I got nothing against nobody. You know, Mac 10 said something so dope on a podcast recently. He said something like, you know, I fucks with who fucks with me. That's yeah. it. Yeah. You know, I don't care about the past. I don't care about no ego shit. I don't care about who said what or whatever. What's right? Like, dude, you couldn't buy me. You couldn't intimidate me. You couldn't get me to play anything that wasn't right for my radio station. Straight up. Our radio station. Because it was LA's radio station. All I did was translate what the listener wanted to the speakers. That's it. That was my job, is to clear the runway so the planes could take off and land. And did they? They motherfucking did, and they, <laughs> they flew. They flew past that ocean. Them them home runs did flow past flow past Hell ocean. Yeah. Tell me because you you, you show up in Japan, up. Germany, everywhere, and all these records that got played from Power One Hundred Six. And I remember being an artist, understanding and getting taught as an artist. Like okay, now now from an artist's point of view, getting schooled by a label. Like okay, now this is the label you want to impress and get played on, or I'm sorry, the station you want to impress and get played on. These are the people that you want to catch their attention, and your your name was definitely in that mix. And they're like, I remember very clearly, they're like, if you could get this gentleman to play your record on this station, then guess what happens? Forty three fifty fucking something other stations will copy the playlist and play your shit yeah. too. So I, I understood that. Yes. So when I finally was able, because I, I created We Ride with Busy Bone, and that got played a little bit on, on certain stations. But when I made my song, Mami Mira with Nate Dog, that's when I yep. understood what they were talking about. Because then I stopped just being local and in L.A. as far as doing shows. I started doing uh, shows all over the place as, a, as, a, as an independent artist. But now I'm talking Summer Jams. I'm talking Cinco de Mayo Fest. I'm talking yep. 15,000, 20,000 people in the motherfucking crowd. And I, I wasn't even, I was literally learning how to perform on those type of stages. Can you imagine that? Yeah. With no, <laughs> come see, on, that's, that's amazing. That I love <clears throat> yeah. is to see that. 
that's what that was my passion was taking something that nobody like you know roscoe summer you know the summertime or or molly Mito, any of those records and the, and ja rule for instance holla holla is is artist development from the very beginning you know living with you know through the who you wits and the and the couple records that it took to get there till we got the right one that fit power the right way that the audience engaged and then watching him open up powerhouse to then become a headliner do you know what i'm saying like to watch the growth, mm -hmm. you know, when, when it was like the Nate Dog phone call saying, I'm going to make this record and hearing it on the radio and seeing you freaking make that transition. That's the shit I love. Hell yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm the opposite of a hater. I want to see people do it because I'm, I'm a part of it. I'm a fan. It's on demand fan. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the Dr. Dre thing I was saying, you know, I'm the first in the front row if I can put it together, you know what I'm saying? Like, and a lot of people I just want to see it happen. A I want to see people succeed. A lot of people don't know that you put me on another Nadar record that a lot of people don't know about, and people haven't heard. Oh, that and, record, man, dude! I got a publishing check for that recently. <laughs> Did you put that out? Nah, hell nah, that shit ain't out. You asked me that before. Well, it's getting played somewhere because I got a publishing check. You know, it's crazy. Nate Dogg's official account on Instagram with all the followers and everything, they DM me all the time, like, release that record. Uh, I got, oh, please, I spoke please. to, I spoke to uh, Inhale, and obviously they had the control yeah, nice. with, the, with, the, uh, with the whole estate, and they were like, man, put that shit yeah. out. But I never really felt comfortable putting it out until me and you spoke because that was a record you gave me. And uh, I wanted to make sure we were on the up and up. And the last time we spoke oh, was through text. One hundred percent, please. You said put it out, <laughs> and now we have public records. So, man, you you never know. Just just might be. Let's keep going. Like I've always told you, as long as the estate is cool, I'm cool. So so you let me ask you a question. Like, I, just, I will never look. Nate was the only person I can say that really took me under his wing with no bullshit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Was always, he was a mentor, dog. Like, he showed me the ropes. You know what I mean? And he never, you know, there was always a little bit of hate about the production or the rapping or whatever the fuck it was. But Nate, he, he always wanted to see me do well. You know what I mean? And he always supported me. It doesn't matter what I was doing. He always wanted to be a part of me. Just show up at the studio or say, come by the house. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that was my friend. That's that was a whole different thing, man. Nate was my friend, so it, it, as long as his family and everything is cool, then, dude, I, I I would love it because you know my ride with Nate Do with, with Nate Dog ain't over yet, homie, and if it can involve you, that's even better, dog. Well, we got a that's gonna record. That's a slammer. Door, the that's symbolism slammer. of that shit, you know, uh, uh, especially with the racial tensions and shit that's going on these days, it's like fuck, man. I I would love nothing more than to see you and Nate Dog have a hit. You, <laughs> you know, know what, what I mean? Again. We just might have one you know for the I mean? summer because now that we're having this conversation, I feel like the new album, God Got Me, could really uh, benefit from that track. We got a lot of major, major records. And, uh, hey, things happen for a reason. It's been sitting in the vault. Yeah. The family's asked about it. You've asked about it. Hey, you guys hear it first. We might have a new Mr. Criminal, Nate Dog, uh, The Miz a produced yeah. single. There you go. You know what I'm saying? Finally! Yeah, that's beautiful, bro. And I appreciate you believing in me in those moments. Always. When you when you took me in there and said, "Hey, I'm a, I want to play your record," and I'll never forget 
You played me records from Marvin Gaye. You played me records unreleased from like yeah. big, big artists, homie, that no one yeah. will ever hear. And I remember you played that record, and I was like, when well, my jaw dropped, and you said, you like that shit with a smile? And I, I was like, yeah, you like, that's you. And I was like, yeah, Sorry, fucking right. Something, dog. Yeah, fucking right. That was right. the very last record that I recorded with Nate Dog before he passed. Wow. Wow. And so handing you that record, it was like, you know, I was taking a chance because I'm like, if this don't turn out right, you know, how am I going to say, like, no? That's good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, nah, for sure. <laughs> but, you know, my faith in you, dog, you, you're a different type of artist, bro. You just, you know, the, I, I've never heard any you do anything that I didn't like. You know what I mean? Like, you're just a different cat. You know what I you mean? Sure and I know. have that respect for you. So to 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 hand you the last record I did with Nate Dog, that's a pretty big statement on my part. Man, I appreciate that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like fuck all the bullshit. I believe in you, man. You, you know what I'm saying? You show me you believe in me in many ways, homie. You're the first person to ever put a uh, uh, a check in my hand as big as they were. I won't disclose the numbers, um, but they were extremely big and healthy for an independent uh, film film yeah. person. And the opportunities filming on beaches and having crews that that were under my control under you know the 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 guidance of you and you giving the green light was a big blessing and i'll never ever take that away from us no matter what no matter what if we've ever had disagreements privately i would never take those yeah. moments away regardless you know what i'm saying because at the end of the I day mean, this is rap this is yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. disagreements come and go dog mm -hmm. but if you have longevity and you really respect someone and respect you end up letting it go and we've had and Krim, it's no secret. We've had some fucking big ones. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? For sure. But at the end of the day, we always look at each other in the eyes, shake hands, and say, well, fuck it. We agree to disagree, but you're still my homie. Yeah, straight up. Like Critical says, I fuck you, but I still see you at the barbecue. I told Critical, I, I like to be with you. I said, fuck you, but I see you at the barbecue. Yeah, I fuck you, but I see you at the barbecue. I told him, fuck, yeah, you, fuck you and your barbecue, homeboy. Nah, but then, yeah. he's a homie. I don't mean that to him. That's the boy. You know what? It, I'm going to try to show up to Critical Barbecue. There we go. There we go. I just got invited to a barbecue. Man, it's a fuck. Hey, but uh, oh, yeah. nah, you know what? I want to know. I want to know, and I appreciate everything that you've done, homie. And I don't, I don't want to be take that lightly or switch gears so suddenly. And I really mean that from the heart, homie. But I do want to no, know, as a fan, the out the out of power on six the personal relationships i mean i seen pictures by that you that you didn't even show me i think i was just in the studio i was like hey miss is this fucking jay-z and so-and-so in the studio like yeah well no big deal i was right there when we did that shit look at eminem and this <laughs> and then and then and then you're like with fucking uh aliyah at golf courses and then you're with mariah Carey yeah. on private jets and fucking changing weathers because acapulco is a uh, uh, one degree hotter <laughs> than cabo or some shit like speak on those moments Sorry, that was with luis miguel dog me luis miguel and mariah went to luis's house for uh it was something, and Mariah found out that it was one degree hotter somewhere else. So she's like, fuel up the jet, let's go. And we start to take off, and Luis and I are sitting next to each other, and Mariah and her assistant are sitting across, and the plane starts to take off, and then all of a sudden it starts doing this. And the oxygen masks pop out of the ceiling, and mist starts feeling like the white uh oxygen mist starts filling the plane and oh, we're man. looking at each other like what the fuck's going on when the stewardess hits the deck and starts crying you know you're in trouble oh fuck no 
You know what I'm saying? So we thought we were going to crash land. And Mariah and her assistant are freaking out, crying. Luis and I look at each other. I look back, and I see a bottle of vodka sitting on the freaking counter. Mm. I walk over there. I grab the bottle of vodka and two glasses, sit down with Luis, and we look at each other and go, look, if we're going to die, we're going to fucking die. Rest in peace to my homeboy, Longface. He did the same thing. <laughs> I seen that happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, fuck it. So I hand him a glass, and he's like, fuck it, give me the bottle. And we, so we're drinking out of the bottle. We took the uh, the oxygen mask and put them on our heads like hats. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Dang. the little yellow things on our heads with the things around our chins. And we fucking got drunk on the way down. And we ended up like landing, but it was a real rough landing. And they said that the vents didn't close. So they so the when we got to 10,000 feet, the, the cabin didn't pressurize. So it, it was it was going down, basically. So, you know, the pilot, you know, uh, private jet pilots kind of, you know, smooth like that. And, you know, we ended up landing and Luis and I ended up just getting shit faced drunk. And he said, you know what? We're not going to take the plane now. I'm going to get a yacht. So we got a yacht and there was we were standing. Mariah actually cooked dinner that night <laughs> to calm down. And what did uh, she cook? I want to know what she cooked. Uh, it was uh, fettuccine Alfredo. I Chicken chicken Alfredo, homie. She's a good cook. Okay. Um uh she does a lot of things good, but but we uh we we were standing on the edge of the yacht and Luis and I look over and we see a golf cart. Okay. And so I'm like, what do you think? And he's like, Damiza, let's do it. So we got (laughs) in the golf cart, he got it, he was trying to drive, and I pushed him, and and I so I was driving. And he says, the Mizzle, right. And I made a left turn and he goes flying out of the golf cart and, and did a roll on the grass. And his bodyguard flies out of the other freaking uh, uh, golf cart and grabs me. He's like, the Mizzle, that's Luis Miguel. If he gets one scratch, blah, 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 blah. And all this kind of stuff. And Luis gets up and he looks over at me and goes, the Mizzle, from now on, I will drive. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's some funny shit, though. Hey, I thought he was going to kill me that night. Yeah. That's crazy, man. But, you know, but that's like, I mean, yeah, I've had some really crazy experiences like that. How, how <laughs> like, was... what am I doing here? You know, there was one night in Korea. Uh, Mariah called me up and said, we're going to Korea. And I'm like, no, you're going to Korea. And she goes, do you want to meet Michael Jackson or not? Damn. And I'm like, fuck it, let's go. So I got out and packed my little bag, got on the plane. And the next thing I know, I'm standing on the side of the stage and Michael Jackson's performing. And it's me, Luis Miguel and Mariah all standing on the side of the stage. And it was so crazy to watch Michael Jackson perform that close. And he would do like the whole smooth criminal set, come over and have a conversation with us. And he'd go, hold on a second. He'd go change in the beat it outfit, go out there and do the whole beat it set. And then come over and pick up the conversation exactly where he left off. Wow. True professional. I mean, it was like, it was a machine. It was like watching a Broadway stage play that had been done a thousand times. You know what I mean? Like, it was crazy. Like, I've seen some really, I've been a part of some really crazy moments. And I've seen some really crazy moments. And, you know, God has blessed me so much. And that's also part of the reason why I try to give so much is sometimes I feel guilty about that shit. 
Like, why me? You know, imposter syndrome. They're going to fire me any second. Like, you know, I got, you know, why am I here? I'm nothing special. You know what I mean? But then I realized what my position was. It ain't about me. It's about, it's about everybody around me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if that inspires them, then just be the door. You're, you're experiencing this so that you can be a better door. You know wow. what I'm saying? You can open it for those things. Yeah, yeah, Nate Dogg passed and 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 it and, and it's sad, but his legacy lives on through people like you and that record. Do you know that's what cool. I'm saying? Like it helps it move forward. You know what I mean? And that's why is I can trust that legacy with you. And I knew that was coming. I knew where you were heading. That's what that's what you know, I always see like a couple years into the future. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to artists, I can just see whether you have it or not. And I can see whether you're over or whether you're going to do something next. And I could just see the momentum by what you were building, the, the plans that you had and, and branching out into the movies. You're forgetting we did that movie. You know what I mean? I, I got to be in your movie. That's dope. You know what I'm saying? Thank like, you for that. And I'm watching you film those things. And I'm like, hmm, I should put this fool with, the, we're going to do this phone video. Well, then that will add credibility to the video shooting stuff. And maybe you can expand it. Blah, 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 blah. And that's the way I'm thinking in the back of my head. And I'm like, okay, we need to empower them to do more videos. Okay, so let's get some names behind it. Let's do this. Let's put a little money behind it. Let's put some more bigger budgets. Let's get that more expensive hotel room. Fuck it if they're going to yell at me. Let's do this right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, and taking those chances and saying, let's do this, you know, and pushing for it. I mean, there's the behind the scenes conversations that cats don't see where it's like, no, man, I'm putting my my neck out here to make sure that this happens. Right. You know, maybe I'll take a hit or, or cut my pay this month and let's do this. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm here for. Hell yeah. So that other people can make it. Man, that's amazing. And, and we, we need more people like you in positions of power uh, to take to yes. take this shit to another place. Because I feel like the game is in a unique position. I feel like there's a lot of people with influence and, and, and have power that they don't realize that they're fucking off in the wrong position. So I feel like the, guy, the youth needs a little bit more yeah. guidance. And it starts with love. You know what I'm saying? So I think as, as OGs in the game, yes. we need to send a little love to the little homies and give these type of guidances and these type of stories so they could understand there's more than just your block. There's more than just being outside and catching a catching mm -hmm. a body or catching a case and fucking off your life. Because in the grand scheme of things, all my gangster-ass homies that got out from, from beating life sentences and all that, they ain't part of that shit. They wish that they were back out here and building for their family. They feel behind. They feel... And, and if they had conversations with any of my big homies, they'd be like, damn, you know what? Maybe I should yeah. change directions where I'm going. You know what I'm saying? Well, and, and that's what, you know, it's always easier to ask the OG on the block directions than to try to make your own way and get shot on the way. Straight up. A wise man learns off another man's mistakes. I'm sorry? A wise man will learn off another man's mistakes. That's what they say. That's a quote. Yes. Yeah. Dude, if they take the time to talk to you, listen. You know what I'm saying? Straight like, it's it, somebody with experience, like, you know, I see a lot of young people say, you know, you know, you don't know because you're not like, little homie, I was there. There's nothing that you have done. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing that you that you can say or do that I haven't seen or done. Man, I'm talking about look at look at the flex of behind you, homie. Like 
That's fucking so many millions of records sold. And I'm telling you as a witness to Which it. Which one? It's right behind you, homie. You're sitting on millions and millions of records sold. Now, listen to me. You were in a fucking studio that was, I don't remember how many thousands of square feet. And I remember I walked into the entrance, and it was a big Rockefeller <laughs> one. You walk to the right, it's like boom, 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 boom. You walk into the studio, boom, 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 boom. You go up the stairs, boom, 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 boom. So I know that 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 just that that amount right there, which is amazing. <laughs> That most people will never have their names on plaques like that. That was a gift from Puffy. You got motherfucking shit like that just out the yin yang, homeboy. But yeah, tell tell me about Puffy. Let's go. How did that come from Puffy? Well, uh, well, I mean, his first week he sold more records in LA than he did in New York. Wow. And that was because yeah, you were pushing because, shit. You know, when I you know, when when I came to Puffy, when when okay, I wanted to do the Dre and Snoop reunion and they said no. I told you that story. Yes, sir. So I had to do something to prove that we could make it work first. Mm -hmm. So Puffy was making these radio records and we were playing Can't Nobody Hold Me Down and stuff like that. And then Puffy played me some of the records from his album. And I was like, there's like four of them I could play. Why don't we do this show in Hawaii with you and, and the Bad Boy family? You, Mace, The Locks, Little Kim and all of them. And he was like, how much is it gonna cost me? And I'm like, it'll probably cost about 250 grand. And so the next thing I know, I'm in a meeting with him, Benny Medina, and the label, and all this kind of shit. And we ended up doing a promotion called Puffy in Paradise. And it's basically, you know, I came up with this idea where Puffy would come on Power 106, you know, the morning that his album was released, and play all of his music, and kick the Baker Boys off the radio, and make it like a podcast, you know what I mean? Like, make it visual. Like, he comes in the radio station, gets everybody out of the the booth and starts playing his records and just takes over the radio station that says, I've got a, a jet. I'm going to put everybody on it, take you to Hawaii and, and give you a luau and, 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 uh, 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 exclusive performance for only 200 people from LA and plus a guest and, you know, all of this kind of shit. And it just freaking overtook Los Angeles. Wow. You know what I'm saying? We're playing Senorita. We're playing, you know, I mean, the record with Jay-Z. I mean, I was just playing album cuts and going crazy, you know, because it was exclusive. And he ended up selling more records in L.A. than he did in New York. So, you know, he actually sent me two of these. Wow. So I, I have two of the identical same ones. And then he sent me a couple others. I mean, I got Craig Mack and I got Juicy and I got, you know. Bow down. I mean, Puffy's always, you know, Puffy's always been really good to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Puffy... Anything that I ever said to Puffy, I want to do this, he was like, how much? That's right. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, and he would pay for the promotions and he'd just do it. And he trusted me. He let me run. That's you know what I mean? And and that that's the problem, you know, these days is, is is it's like, look, you know, you do what works. And if homie knows what he's doing, leave him alone and let him do it. You know what I mean? It ain't about ego. You know what I'm saying? There's a time for that. Do that when we're winning. What's you know your, what I mean? We ain't winning right now. What's your favorite You know what I'm saying? Say what? What's your favorite plaque that you've ever had on your wall? I like that chronic one. That shit is hard. All that weed leaves. What's your favorite one? I'll show you. Hold on. I'll I show trip you. out every time I seen that one. You guys are seeing it right here from a legend, man. You guys have never seen it. NW motherfucking A. Wow. No, no, but look at this. Wow. That's sick, homie. Dr. Dre and Jerry Heller signed the same plaque. Wow. West Coast history. And how that happened was I ran into Jerry Heller. Like, I, it was a gift. For, I think Dre gave me that. But um, I, I got it. 
and uh, I went in and I, I had Jerry Heller sign it because he, he happened to come by the office and I, I had him sign it. And then I walked in and I didn't think about this when I did it. I was su such a dumbass. I walked in and Dre should have kicked my ass for this, by the way. I walked in. I said, hey, Dre, can you sign my NWA plaque? And he looked over and he said, Jerry Heller signed this. He goes, I haven't seen my signature next to Jerry Heller's signature oh, since shit. I signed up. That, that could have fucked everything up. Yeah, and I was like, uh, whoops. And he said, so what he wrote on it, if you look at it, I can't see it from the camera, but it says, Damien, <laughs> fuck off, Dr. Dre. <laughs> <laughs> that's classic. Now, that, that's that got a beautiful story behind it. Huh? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's cool. That's dope. But, you know, even like the, the letter of confirmation for, you know, uh, for Chronic Island, he said, yes, Damien, I'm going to do your fucking show. Chronic Island Estate. <laughs> Fuck you. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's right. Hey, that's you know, beautiful. Or like, you know, when Irv Gotti, you know, confirmed for Powerhouse when Murder, Inc. hit their peak, you know, it was like, fuck, Damien, leave me alone. I'm doing a goddamn show. I told you. You know what I mean? Like, it was because, you know, the that's when, like, when the new regime came in, they were like, no, we need letters of confirmation. You know, we're putting money behind this. I'm like, dude, they gave me their word. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it was, it was just a different party. Then. Different time, different time. You know what I'm saying? It was yeah. like then these people come in and you know they take over and they want to they want to extort it basically and suck it dry of of the financials because it's number one radio station in LA. But it's like, dude, we do things. You know, there's an old saying: "Do what you love, and the money will come." Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that's what happened with Power 106. We were a team. There was no difference between me or Fuzzy or me and Big Boy or me and, uh, you know, the Flavor Unit or me and Diana in promotions or Fernando. or You know, it doesn't matter who it was. We all worked together as a team and, as a team and played our position. You know what I'm saying? And, and it worked. And the money came. The ratings came and the money came. But now it's just about moves to make moves for checks and it's like dude you're not you're not doing a service to the community do you know what i'm saying you're you're staying in the office and just making decisions based on ideas that have no bearing to the audience get out of your chair go to baldwin go to Reseda, go to the go to the, your 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 hard zip codes that are that are that are where your ratings fall and ask them what they want to hear. That's listen right. to what they want to hear. Reconnect with audience. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's how, like, Ain't No Fun and All About You got on the radio, is I was going to the Slauson Squad meeting, the Compton Squad meeting, East Los, and, you know, all of these places. I wasn't trying to be a DJ in Hollywood. I feel it. You now, know what I'm saying? Now, let me ask you a question. Did you ever have a chance to meet Tupac? Yes. Okay, tell me that story. You want to hear a funny story, huh? I do. <laughs> all right so i was doing alternative okay and and mca was having a grammy party and that was the year that tupac went up our american music awards party and that's the year that tupac went on stage with kiss and the versace tuxedo okay and and went up there and and you know did the award or whatever so we all go to the mca party and all of a sudden we see this flood of people coming into this ballroom at the Four Seasons. And everybody's running 
and like there was a gunman or something and everybody hits the walls and me and my boy jeff miller is standing in the middle of the room and we're like what the fuck is going on like what's happening and all of a sudden you see suge you see Pac, you see uh uh snoop you see daz you see corrupt you see hammer you see all of these guys come in and everybody just hit the walls and me and jeff looked at each other and went death rose here there's Pac." so it was like damn so we walked up to Pac, and he introduced himself and then i go to uh, jeff to Pac, and go oh yeah Pac, what's up and i walk up and i go oh dude i love the new album and he stops and he looks at me and he goes the album doesn't come out till Tuesday. How the fuck did you get it? Damn, that's the first thing Pac told you? Yeah, and I was like, uh, and then he goes, hey, Suge, this fool got a leak of the album. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I was like, and I looked up, and Suge goes, how'd you get the album? And I go, oh, I'm an alternative radio. Since we can't play it, we get it on Fridays. And Suge looked over at, at Pac and he shook his head like, yeah, that's right. You know what I'm you saying? You almost got that death row beat down. And then Tupac, no, and here's the crazy thing. <clears throat> then Tupac looked over at me and goes, what's your favorite song? He was and testing. And I was like, I, yeah, so I said, song one, disc two, a million pairs of eyes looking hard, but won't realize. Real and he goes, if you will never see the pig. And we said it together. Uh... And we shook hands and he's like, all right, Doug. He goes, my dude. And then he goes, uh, he goes, oh, you met Daz? <laughs> you know, that's hard. Like that's some real and homie that shit. That was my meeting with Tupac. That's, that's hard. the only time I ever met. Wow, that's some real shit. But Not you know, many people are gonna have that. Crazy. Johnny J, rest in peace. When uh, Biggie died, he uh, he put me on the phone with Afini Shakur because Afini wanted to talk to uh, Biggie's mom. So Johnny said, you could call Damien at Power. Maybe he can. You know, connected. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, uh, Afini called and it was real late. It was like a, a five or it was like six or seven o'clock at night. And I was late in my office. And Johnny said, Stay there. Afini is about to call you. And my line rang and I picked it up. And dude, she said, and I said, Look, Sunday night, we're going to, and this is right after Biggie got shot. And I said, Sunday night, uh, we're going to have a, a, like a memorial on the radio. I'd like you to call in. And she goes, Look, she goes, uh, I want to talk to Biggie's mom and have a conversation with her. And she goes, but I, I, I don't want to go on the radio. But if there's anything you want to know about my son, you know, why don't you just ask me and then you go on and, and, and you, you tell the story. She goes, but, you know, I, I, I don't want to do that. And it was so cool. I, I sat there with her on the phone for like two hours, bro. And she told me everything, dog. Like going back to the Black Panther stuff, and I just got a history lesson, dog, on on just the culture, man, and and the times and the the sixties and seventies and the movement and pop growing up and the movements in New York and Oakland and and just the mother's love for her son and you know just the genuine sadness that this happened again. You know what I mean? And and just her just her demeanor was it, it it was like, you know, I can say when I met Tupac, when you saw him come in a room, you just knew there was something different about that cat. He just glowed. There was something different about that dude. Like you just knew he was special. He was different. You know what I mean? Before you recognized it was Tupac, there was just 
it just he he commanded the room when he walked in like everybody hit the deck it wasn't because it should it was because Pac just walked in the room that's hard you know what i mean like it, there was that respect Hell and yeah. this is a room of alternative and all this other shit and and rap and everybody was there you know kc and you know from jodeci and you know Devante and you know nirvana would i mean kurt had passed but dave Grohl and 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 chris novoselic were in there and you know there's all these people in there and 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 you know he still took the time to sit there and talk but afini was the same way and that's where he got it from is this was the 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 strong woman that you hear about you know what i mean like and she took the time to sit there for two hours and educate me you know what i mean and that's that's one of the things about my career and my life that I, I've been so blessed, you know, working with Jim Brown and the American Foundation and, and gang intervention and meeting Harry Belafonte and James Ingram, you know, who wrote PYT for Michael Jackson and, and, and was a great singer in his own right. Um, you know, uh, uh, just all of the people that I've, I've been able to meet and, 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 and learn about history. You know, Harry Belafonte just passed. And, you know, I, the first time I met him, I said to him, Dar, you were in the Oval Office between JFK and Martin Luther King. What was that like? Wow. That's you know powerful. what I mean? Like talking about civil rights in between JFK and Martin Luther King. Like what, 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 what were they like? And he looked at me and he said, Damien, he goes, JFK was a cool dude. He goes, but Martin, he was just cool. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> wow. You know, and, and, and the like here of the Oval Office at that time in our history was like, like the Dr. Dre thing when he told me the story of NWA. Uh, you know, I'm like Johnny Five. You know, I, I just want input. I want to learn. I want to learn. I want to learn. You know what I'm saying? So just learning the history and, and, and being able to share that with up and coming artists and use that as mentorship. And, you know, people don't realize what I'm doing a lot of the time when I say things or, or what, why I do the things that I do and put them in the positions that I put them in and what, that could be awkward or be great or they understand or they don't. You know, it, it's because of something that one of those people told me. You know, can, like I always tell you, consistency and repetition breeds familiarity. Familiarity breeds a relationship. Relationship breeds teamwork, and teamwork wins games. I got that from them, you know, showing that if you consistently and repeatedly deliver a good product, then people will be familiar with you. If they're familiar with you, then they'll engage with you. Synergy. And it's all about synergy with your fellow man. And that's what this life journey is, is connecting with people. But we tend to push them away because we're afraid of those relationships. And it's not, you know, I, I'll be the first to admit, I've been afraid of shit before. You know what I mean? Afraid to say sorry, afraid to say, hey, you want to come do this or afraid to this. Fuck all of that. That's reverse ego shit. You said something dope today, reverse psychology. That's the way you got to be, homie. You know what I'm saying? Anything to get the job done. You know what I'm saying? Like, fuck it. Like call me an asshole. Call me whatever you want. Say whatever the fuck you want. But I get the job done. Straight up. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know what? I'm going to give you... And they can say anything back then. Oh, he wants to be a producer. Oh, he wants to rap. Oh, he wants to uh, work at Power 106 from an alternative state. Everybody has told me no. Everybody has told me why I can't do something. But I always fucking did it. Straight up. That's, that's, <laughs> you know that's what right. I mean? That's right. That's and once I got that fucking door open, here's the office too. Straight up. Do you know what I'm saying? 
The only reason why I did any of those things was to open the fucking door. Man. And not be an asshole and not know what the fuck I'm talking about when I tell these kids how to do it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to be a fucking hypocrite. I'm going to learn that shit first. You know what I'm saying? I'll never forget the moment where you said, hey, uh, I want to introduce you to somebody. And then you gave them the introduction to me like I was the star. You're like, hey, Eddie, uh, this is Mr. Criminal. He's fucking sick and killing the game and going to be a West Coast (laughs) rap legend. And I'm like, this dude just introduced me to Eddie Cash. This is like one of the biggest rock stars fucking back in his <laughs> days. Like, that's crazy, homie. Like, moments like that. Oh, you talking about Eddie Money? Eddie Money, Eddie Money, Eddie Money. I'm sorry. I said Eddie Cash. Yeah. I knew he was about well, to Well, you paper. never know who you're going to run into around the Mizza. Yeah, <laughs> you know real saying? shit. You introduced me to Eddie Money, and I'm sitting there shaking his hand, and as I realized it, I was like, wow, the Miz is introducing me like I'm on his level. Like if I'm the Eddie Money's rock star, you know, just blowing my mind. I mean, really classy, dog. Well, as a fan, I'm looking at both of you. You know, that's me. You know what I'm saying? I'm just a platform, homie. And I'm looking at you too, just lucky. Yo, here I have the biggest, you know, uh, Latino rapper in the game, you know, you know, and here I have this legendary rock star. What if these two motherfuckers did something? Imagine that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a fan. I want to see that. It, and, you know, part of it to me is also, you know, that that's the high for me is is seeing that, is seeing like, damn, what if Bone and, and Mr. Criminal do this video? That'll be sick. Yeah, <laughs> you know did. what I mean? Like, you yeah, know what I mean? Did. Like, what if we get those Lolos onto the tarmac? And we did. You know what I mean? Like. What if we get those two private with those that private jet and those two Lolos and then get Mr. Criminal to fucking do it and TQ to do the song? I'd be sick. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. my little scheming mind going. Hell yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then y'all look at me like I'm crazy. You never fucking pull that off. Fucking the FAA will shoot your ass. Yeah, they can wait outside until we get there too. Hell yeah. You know what? Miss. Oh, you left? Nah, nah. The 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 iPad died because for some reason while it's running, uh, it died. So what we'll do? Go ahead and run it on the charger for like five minutes, and then we'll get an outro real quick. Okay. Um, I'll be right back. I'm gonna go take a piss. No worries. Take your time. All this coffee is running through me. No worries, big dog. My bad. Yeah, waiting for the. Yeah, I hit it. He said he hit it. Give it a second for it to populate. It says waiting for the host to start this meeting. I don't think you hit the right link because I had to send like three. Maybe refresh one more time and hit the newest one. Hold on, let me let me just refresh my. Oh, there's a new one. Hold on, there's another one. Here it goes, and another one. Yeah, it says waiting for the host to start this Some meeting bitch. on the latest one. <laughs> He's not popping up. Hold on, let me try this. Hold on, let me try this. Yeah, it says waiting for the host to start this meeting. <laughs> you sound like a fucking a recording on an operator. Just keep saying that. <laughs> I love fuck it. You. <laughs> he said, fuck you. I love it. All right, give him. Give it him. says waiting for the host to start this meeting, and it's got one of those little circular things going. It's not letting me do it. Okay, let's see. Why don't you try to start the meeting, miss? Oh, there, there, there it, it just is. came through. Your new one just came just through. through. Just came through. Just came through. Yeah. It says waiting. It says waiting for the host to start the meeting. <laughs> this fucking guy. <laughs> this fucking guy. 
I'm sorry, Fuck man. Him. He's, he's going to hang up on me and say never use his name or likeness. Or <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me see. Hold on. My socks are to my knees right now, Holmes. Hell yeah. Check me out. I got my chancras and everything. Thank you, baby girl. My chancras. Oh, the mirror shit, huh? Yeah. <laughs> You're pretty good at that, Chris. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about that slide record, too, man. You know, this dope shit. Yeah. You already did a video for that, didn't you? No, hell no. I'm telling you, I started... I thought you did a video for it. Nah, hell no. I ain't this shit. I show respect, homie, when stuff don't go the right way. I'm not just going to be disrespectful and keep proceeding like that. There's codes and ethics to everything. And... Dude, that'll be dope, though, dude. Get knives and shit in that. That shit would be super hard. That'd be a sick-ass video. Yeah, that would be hard. <coughs> All right, we're back. We're back, baby. I mean, if you really wanted to be crazy, you'd have knives do a, uh, uh, like a track or two under Nate and fucking put it together. That'd be super hard. <coughs> All right, <laughs> we back recording yet? Because you, because Nate did the verse too. So I mean, if you just put knives on the hook under Nate, that's true. Because Nate did a hard ass verse. I didn't even. I look. I haven't even heard the song in so long because I just was like, okay, it's time to put that down and move forward. But I'm gonna open it I back up and let's see. Hell, if you had knives do do the hook under under Nate's shit. Yeah, that's true. He said knives featuring knives and Nate. Ooh, that'd be a little. That'll be a little bit uh. Groundbreaking, I could definitely say for sure, 100%. Yeah, man. Fuck yeah, dog. It's a good idea. It's a good idea. Well, shit, we back on live. Well, that's I'll... what I'm here for, dog. That's what I do, is it? That's what you do do, homeboy. Hey, so I have some... <laughs> So I want to ask you a question. <laughs> Who won the golf game between you, and a... between you and Aaliyah? Who won? Oh, Aaliyah. She, she whooped, whooped my ass. ass. She whooped your ass? She looked like she you was smiling in that picture. I, I don't remember... You know, when she came to L.A. one time, you know, she was always, man, she was always so cool to me, man. She was just such a sweet person. And that's, you know, that that was the, you know, the the relationship is we'd go play miniature golf. That's right. <laughs> you know? So that was a common thing. You guys did we it a lot. talk about any of the music business shit, you know, none of that shit. We just played golf. Oh, shit. I thought I thought the picture I saw in my brain, my my. My common sense, I guess, was wrong, but I thought, like, oh, that must have been, like, a Power 106 event, and Miz and her were out there. Oh, hosting. it was. It was. It was. That okay. one was, yeah. Okay, but but normally, it would, you guys would just link up like that. That's sick as fuck. Well, I mean, you know, I've had, you know, there's so many artists and so many people that I I, I would see outside of the station and stuff like that and, and do, you know, just crazy stuff and just talk and just be friends and... Aaliyah was just a really nice person. That's really, I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. That's super cool, man. Um, <clears throat> you know, her her soul and just who she was, she was just special, man. Like, you know, that, that, I remember that day, especially, like, because we were both, we were both really young and in the business that was way bigger than us. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And... You know, the rumors were out in marriage and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that had already happened and stuff. But I think the reason why we got along was because I just, I never brought up for an hour or two. Every time we met each other, it was just, it was love. You know what I mean? She was a great person. That's beautiful, bro. Um, looking back at those moments, 
And looking back at the the times that you share with these artists, off of like getting to speak with Michael Jackson, getting to be in studios <laughs> with Eminem, having to be able to travel and change uh, weather and courses, you looking back at the <laughs> whole, you have encompassed the whole 360 of success, dedication, sacrifice, working hard, going against the grain, creating your own lane, and create becoming something iconic for the West Coast as far as music goes, and creating a way for people to get money out here and showing that we could party out here in LA and be under the same roof without hurting each other. Now, being the demenza that has experienced all that and can say all that and become, have the relationships that you have and that transcends time and just opportunity of saying, oh, I know a dude that's at the radio. Obviously, these people way past radio still fuck with you. It wasn't just about who you were, your position. You guys' relationships were real and it shows that with time. If you had a chance mm-hmm. to look back and talk to the young Demenza, the young Damien Young that never had a ch- chance to, that never might have had that 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 gentleman that opened the door to you and let you play and start pressing buttons at 12 years old, what would you tell that young man at, at, at this moment in your life? What would you say to that youngster that's about to walk in those doors? What would you say to prepare for? What would you say? What were the most important things to keep your morals? What would you say in a nutshell to that young man? I would, you know, this has nothing to do with radio or anything like that, but I would tell myself, I would educate myself on addiction. Wow. You know, because I come from a long family of addicts, and I know in my late 20s, and once I took those first couple of drinks, it just couldn't stop. You know what I mean? It was, you know, it was, you know, pills, whatever, whatever it was, you know, at the time that I would lean on smoking anything. And I would, I would just say it's kind of because you won't be able to stop. Wow. You know what I mean? That that was a real dark time for me. You know, I overdosed it. You know what I'm saying? It, it, uh, that's the, that's the toughest battle I've ever had to overcome was getting off the shit. Wow. That's you know what I mean? And, and, it, and it wasn't by something. It's not like I wanted to do it. It's just there's something that happens with addiction where the shit just takes over. And you don't even know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it 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 just, I mean, you saw how I was. No, there was no, one, I, fucking no one could talk to me. Like, I I was... You know what I mean? Like that's what that was. I go back and and educate myself on the reality of the disease of alcoholism and and addiction, wow. and and be like, dude, you're gonna be okay. Just don't start because you can't stop. You're not one of those people that can. Damn. So that's humbling. I'm just keeping at a place in my life where, you know, I I could. You know what I mean? Where I could take a step back, and part of that comes with. You know, becoming a full-time caregiver for my grandma. You know, she's 95 years old. So if I'm high and I fuck up and she falls, breaks her hip, it's over. Damn. And can I live with that? Nah. That's powerful, man, and that's humbling. And uh, I know for a fact there's someone out there right now that's listening that, that will take that and be like, wow, you know what, I could do that too. 
and I could break my shit. You yeah. know what? Maybe think twice about what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? So I, I take my hats off. Dude, if, if they do, then it would it would definitely mean that I have a purpose. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? If 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 dude, I know it sounds corny and everybody says if I could affect one person and change one person's life that doesn't go down that road, because it, what it does to your surroundings and I've burned so many bridges. I've made so many enemies. I've done so much dumb shit over drugs in that short period of time. Wow. When I just was out of control. I just didn't, I wasn't equipped to stop because no one, you know, my parents didn't sit me down and say, we're addicts. So you're, you got the gene. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, you know, but if there's one person that I can tell, don't start and you won't have to stop. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not a, you know, if you have the addictive gene, it's not something where you can just go, hey, I want to go get fucked up this weekend. It just doesn't work like that. It doesn't stop, yeah. You don't drink. You don't drink to party. You drink to get drunk. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and you, and and especially with, with addicts, we don't go from, you know, zero to 60 over a, over a, you know, a period of time. We go zero to 60 and that's that. You know what I mean? Like, and that's that, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, it's, I've had a few close calls and wake up calls. I mean, I was pretty much dead. So, you know what I mean? Like it, it, you know, shit's real, man. It's a sobering experience, but just like, just like with my grandma being inspiration for so much of, of what's happened in my life and the hard work and the dedication and the treating people, you know, there's a funny story with my grandma. And I think it's it's why I get along with everybody the way that I do, is we were in Sacramento one time and we we uh, the car stalled in a parking lot, street, and there were some homies on the corner, khakis, Pendletons, you know all that shit, and they looked over and they saw this like five ten year old kid and this old lady in a big Lincoln, you know, trying to like start the car. And they start, you know, looking over and shit. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, we're going to get jumped. We're going to get robbed, blah, 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 blah. And Grandma uh, looks up and goes, goes, young man, can you come help me? That's right. And that moment was, don't judge a book by its cover. Because not only did they, were they the most polite people on the planet, but they pushed the car into the gas station. And helped us out. Wow. Didn't ask for nothing. Just went right back to the corner. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I, I mean, I, I don't have any problem walking up to anybody. And, you know, you think like white boy from Santa Barbara is going to be afraid of gangs. Like, you know? And he showed me everybody's eating. You know what I'm saying? There's no, that's what I was taught. You know, from the time I was raised is, you know, there, there is no color line. You know, when, when we got back to Louisiana, my grandma, I told you the story about we pulled into the driveway and Granny said, pull the car over. And I want to get out of the car. She's in a wheelchair at this point. And it's a gravel dirt road. So I was like, what the hell? And she, she stood up and she kind of like stood there all proud. And I was like, what's going on, mom? And she starts crying. And I said, well, what's wrong? And she goes, there's nothing wrong. And she goes, when I left Louisiana, Women couldn't own property. Wow. And wow. now look, little baby Rhea owns all of this land. That's right. Hey. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? What a beautiful moment. Wow. Yeah, so that's that. Man, that's amazing, man. Speaking to you, homie, is always I've been, I've, been, dude, I've been so lucky, man. I just, God has blessed me. I mean, you know, I have friends like you. You know what I'm saying? Put up with a lot of shit, but you still my homie. That's dope, man. And I could definitely say that likewise, homie. We both, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> we both definitely, that's that's part of a uh, homie shit. You know what I'm saying? It's just part of the game. Well, I, I want to commend you. I want to thank you. I want to give you your flowers. You are definitely um, a staple in this West thank Coast you, history brother. that needs to have that that love and that that acknowledgement, homie. Because at the end of the day, a lot of people um, overlook our side, our coast, California. Well, our contribution to the coast was uh, what people like you have done behind the scenes needs to be celebrated. Um, and uplifted, Thank homie, because straight up, if it wasn't for people like you, I know for a fact uh, people like me wouldn't even exist because the platforms wouldn't be there, and we wouldn't even think that it would be possible. You feel me? Shit. But if, if it wasn't for you, Power and Stiff still might have been playing Lena Santiago for the rest of the, <laughs> the 90s, you know what I'm saying? So just keeping it 1,000, you know? As a fan, a consumer, I know what well, it was you, when man. you walked through those buildings, homie, so I appreciate it. But I'm going to tell I, you one thing, I homie. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I just want to say thank you. It means a lot, especially coming from you. And, you know, it was a team, dog. It wasn't just me. Hell so yeah. I, I just want to say I appreciate it, but I got to bow down to a lesser charge and just some love to the homies. That's right. And that's where you are, who, where, uh, why you are who you are, because you, you acknowledge the team and the people that help you around and, and doors keep opening like that. Shit, man, I appreciate everything you've done. I appreciate everything you've done for the culture, for me personally in my life, the game you gave me, the knowledge, the doors you've opened. And uh, now, since since we say that, I will be easy on you when it comes to the motherfucking Mr. Criminal Game Show. And this week, we got none other than Damian Young. What's cracking, Demiza? How you doing today, brother? I said, how you doing today, brother? He can't stop laughing. Look at him. I'm good. How are you? Man, I am doing excellent, sir. And we are sponsored today by California's Marijuana. And I want to say, I have a couple questions for you. And they're very easy. Just A, B answers. You just go left or right. So here we go. Digital age or the days when people used to have to put needles to the record. Coming from... I love it. Okay. Uh, NWA era or the death row era? Which one would you rather have? Oh, shit. That's a hard one, right? Everybody says the same reaction to that one. Come on. Pass. You said what? Pass. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. Both. Okay, well, shit. That, that's fair. Uh, Biggie or Pac? But you know what? The NWA era, era because it was the root of what got us the death row. That's true. That's true. Okay, I'll give you that. Um, Biggie or Pac? Damn. Pac. Okay, damn. That was quick. A lot of people hesitate on that one. Um, nah, Pac. Nintendo or Sega Genesis? Oh shit! Oh uh, no, no, no! Nintendo, sorry. Okay. Mario Brothers, homie. Mario Brothers. He said he banging that shit. Have you seen the new movie? No, dude. There isn't a theater within hundred miles of this motherfucker. Damn, that's right. Well, we gotta send you <laughs> some type of a streaming device so you can watch some shit. I hey, wish, homie. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um. Uh, but I got my AMC popcorn from Walmart. There you go. <laughs> hey. Okay. If you had to deal with 
This is going to be a unique question to you. If you had to either deal with some coyotes, a pack of coyotes, or a motherfucking crocodile, which one, or alligator, which one would you have to deal with now that you're in Louisiana? Fuck, I've, I've had to deal with both, but I'll take the croc because at least you can outrun them motherfuckers. You can outrun those motherfuckers. Hey, but people don't realize how fast they <laughs> you are. You run against a coyote, that motherfucker's jumping. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, um, if you had to get rid of one for the culture and keep one, no disrespect, just if you had no choice, would you rather have and keep Snoop Dogg or Dr. Dre? That's a hard one. I would say Dr. Dre because, once again, it's the root. Okay, okay, that's that's fucking. But I love what smart. Snoop has done for the culture. I mean that that WrestleMania shit and all that kind of stuff. Guards, I mean. Hell yeah! NFTs or crypto? Crypto. Okay. Shit. Well, there it is. That's the Miz, motherfucking Damian Young, and he survived the game show with Mr. Criminal, sponsored by California's <laughs> best marijuana. And I want to thank you for being on our, on our shit today, homie. Shout out to you for everything you do, like I said, on a serious note. Um, we appreciate everything from the heart, homie. Gracias for everything. Keep thank on, you, keep on um, influencing. You know, I know that you're doing big things for the culture still. I know you got BAMs over there. I know you take care of Granny. And, uh, man, we just commend you for everything you do, homie. Real, real solid shit, homie. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, brother. And uh, Bams and I do a podcast on Saturdays uh, on YouTube.com backslash Demizzle Presents. There you go. Make sure you guys go tap so in and subscribe. We're doing that. And then we got those couple movies. I got TMK's album coming. We got a lot of stuff happening. Hell yeah. So as you can see, Baby Reese still in full effect. And we got Slide coming from Mr. Criminal. And hopefully Nigel will get on that. Day. Hell yeah. There you go. You guys heard it from the motherfucking man himself. So that's how we do it. I appreciate your time. Thank yeah. you for tapping in with us. Thank you for sharing your legendary story. And before we go, I respect everybody's religion, but I got to give it up and say a little quick prayer for our subscribers and for everybody that supports this week. So I'm going to do that real quick. Father God, I come to you tonight to thank you for another successful episode, another day um, that has turned to a legendary night with our brother Demiza, Damian Young, that come through. Uh, we want to thank you for his story of success, victory, um, the humble story that he, he has shared with us that's just incredible. I thank every single subscriber, every single person out there that taps in and subscribes and listens to these episodes. Um, I thank for, for our team, our family, everyone, and we just want to thank everybody. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. In Jesus' name, amen. That's how we do it. Hey, another another week successful. I appreciate everybody out there tapping in. We just hit 330,000 subscribers. Shout out to you guys. Shout out to Demiza. Shout out to the whole team. Shout out to Critical. And uh, yeah, man. Shout out to Crit. Hey. That's how we do it, man. Much love and <laughs> much love and respect. Hey, Chris, I'm proud of you, bro. I'm here in the heat. I'm proud of you, man. Thank Hell you, yeah, that's how we do thank, it, man. Thank you. Much love, man. It's, man. It's a. It's been a blessing, an honor, and happy Mother's Day to everybody. And happy Mothers to a uh, happy Mother's Day to your yeah, beautiful granny. granny, man. Hell yeah, we got it. Hey, I saw your picture with your mom today. That's 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 love, dog. You can see the love in your eyes, dog. The smile. Thank you, homie. There's no there's no fake song. Nah, man, that's love, man. I appreciate it. Shout out to mama. Love. Shout out to to granny. Shout out to my beautiful, beautiful baby girl, my suegra, uh, Critical's mom, Raylene, uh, his girl. And that's how we do it. We're going to end this one. Much love to everybody. God bless and happy Mother's Day. Shout out to everybody. Here we go. West Coast. West Coast.